Kick a little something for them cars that be bumping. We need this win, you know. We got a lot of losses. Yeah, 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 we
It definitely, I probably shouldn't have been, I realized when I tried to show it to my daughter that it was probably not something that I should have been watching as a yeah. kid, because I was like, oh, look at this, this is awesome, I watched this when I was a kid, and then there was a bunch of, like, murder and stuff, and I was like, okay, maybe this, you're too young for this, but, And yeah. your daughter's six, right? Yeah. So you, <laughs> yeah. You've probably had this moment a couple times, I, I never realized that, like, listening to KFAN with my children in the car could be such an issue, because they're, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're at a, uh, the older one's at a very impressionable age, he's, you know, he'll turn five in November. The younger one is still two and a half, so basically anything could be said on the radio, and he has no clue what's going on. But the first one, and I'm not going to repeat the phrase, but the the older one, Leo, once one morning was saying something pretty graphic. And you know, at that age, like they just kind of they'll just like mumble words for no reason, and they're not really completing <laughs> sentences. And, um, you know, he's always kind of like dropped the poopy word before, which is fine. Um, but we let him know, hey, you know, we don't use that word unless it's, you know, unless you have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And, right. And we're not just going to say it. At, you know, at that age, they think that's a really funny word. But then one morning he dropped, I guess I can say it. It's, 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 it's fine to say. He said, uh, and he said it twice in a span of 10 seconds. <laughs> he's just like mumbling, blah, 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 poopy porn, blah, 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 blah. And I, my eyes just got Whoa. massively huge. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know that word? Yeah. Like, I go, I go, they can't be learning that in preschool. Right? Right. Like, I understand why they would know poopy in preschool. Yeah, they should not be able to say poopy porn, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, and I and, and the first time I thought, well, maybe it's just he got lucky when he was doing his mumbling and bumbling, and that just happened to be the two words that came together. But then he said it again, like ten seconds later. I'm like. Oh, we got to get to the bottom of it. This is disaster. No pun intended. I let them know we don't say that, right? So then that morning, it was in the morning, it was early in the morning, go to drive to uh, Grandma's house to drop off. I think they were both going to Grandma's that morning. And listen to the PowerShip Morning Show, and I hear the porn word (laughs) on... Multiple times, because I think they were talking about the uh, Robert Kraft Kraft thing at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... It like it clicked in my head. I said, "That's where he learned the word. <laughs> he learned it from listening to the Power of Murder. Like they're not talking about that in preschool." Yeah, I, I would hope not. No. So I said, I said, "I go." So I said, "Like I got to be able to turn off the part." And then even in recent weeks, like you don't think of Dan Barrero as someone who's on the edgy side of things, yeah. but even like, and I know these, I know these aren't bad words, but we're trying to teach him at this point, at this age, like. You shouldn't, shouldn't be calling, saying stupid. Shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't be saying dumb, right? Like, we got to be nice. <laughs> and then just yesterday, Barrero s- s- called somebody stupid. I don't know who he was calling stupid. <laughs> and Leo goes, the guy on the radio just said stupid, Dad. That's a bad word. <laughs> so I can't listen to Power Trip. I can't listen to Barrero anymore with my children. I'm stuck. <laughs> What are you gonna do now? Well, I still, I still occasionally do, and just when you kind of see the conversations going the wrong way, specifically in the morning, I think I'm, I think I'm mostly safe three to six thirty. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, with 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 six year old and the four and a half year old, they're uh, very impressionable. Yeah. And and I had no idea that's where he got the word from, and now I think that's exactly where he got it from. So well, hopefully he's not listening now. Otherwise, he's going to tell well, yeah, you that as, he. As uh, I just said the words multiple times, yeah. <laughs> noon to three, and now he's going to have some words. Someone's going to email me that they had their child in the back yeah. of the car, and I I just ruined it for them. So I, uh, I completely apologize if that happened. Um, I did want to get to what Ziggy Wilf had to say in Sid Hartman's column, but now the um, 
the poopy porn segment got a little too got a little too long, so I, I don't have enough time for that. So we're going to do that uh, next. Uh, we're also got a new game with Lil B today that's never been played, and you're going to participate. It's you against Lil B oh. at 1.35 today. So we'll see what, what kind of skills you have. Don't worry, it's not over or under. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I haven't it, been doing well at it, over and under this it's, week. It's a brand new game that, um, and let's face it, I've tried new games when I've hosted before, and they have not gone well, and still to this day, like four years later, get ripped by the listeners. <laughs> so but I'm going to put myself back out there again, try a new game. It might be disastrous. But we shall see. So you're gonna you're gonna take on Lil B at one thirty five in the game, and then uh, Mark Rosen, of course, at two o'clock. But like I said, uh, Ziggy Wealth had a comment in Sid Hartman's column today in the Star Tribune that uh, I don't agree with. I don't buy. We'll talk about that next. Ten to be in for common. One eight seven seven cars for kids. K A R S cars for kids. One eight seven seven cars for kids. Donate your car today. To learn more about our programs and to donate, go to carsforkids.com. That's cars with a K. Pickup is quick and easy. You'll also get a vacation voucher and maximum tax deduction. One eight seven seven cars for kids. K-A-R-S, Cars for Kids, one eight seven seven cars for kids donate your car today. Also accepting boats, motorcycles, RVs, and real estate donations. KFAN, total. Lunchtime hour of the Comm program today and every day brought to you by Carboni's Pizza. Should be here in about 15 minutes or so, so I'm pretty excited. And uh, Max will get to experience what it is like to eat some Carboni's Pizza for lunch. Tend to be in for the Comm Dan Cole. And uh, Max is with me. And I mentioned before the uh, commercial break, uh, Sid Hartman talking to Ziggy Wilf in today's Star Tribune. And I'm going to start reading a couple paragraphs in. Sid writes, when it comes to their offseason with player personnel, Wilf thought the team made the best moves they could. He said, quote, we got better in every area of our game, and I think we're up for this year to we're up for this year to be a good year. Sid writes, So how do the Vikings improve on their eight and seven eight, seven and one record last season? Wilf said, quote, win the close games. Sid then writes, the twenty eighteen squad lost only one game by more than two touchdowns. An embarrassing 27-6 home loss of the Bills in Week 3 and shows how small the margin of error can be when it comes to a successful season. And I, I read that and I thought to myself, I don't remember there being a lot of close games last year. Like I, th- I thought the the Vikings games they lost were kind of never really in doubt. They were. It was kind of pretty obvious that the other team was, was going to beat us in most of those games. So, of course, I went back and Looked at the 2018 schedule, and they won Week One against San Francisco, 24-16. Game number two, they tie the Green Bay Packers. So obviously, a game in which you tie 
a game in which you missed, what, three field goals, including two in overtime, that's a game in which you could say, close game at the end, and, and you could figure out how to win that one. That being said, Green Bay also could have easily won that game. They had a, a call go against them late in the fourth quarter that would have would have cinched that game, and then we'd be, talk, be talking about losing that game. Uh, as Sid mentioned, the Vikings lost 27-6 to to Buffalo. That game was a route early on. As we kept turning the ball over in our uh, in in Buffalo's red zone, our own our own between uh, in our own red zone. Game number two, uh, loss number two, at Los Angeles, Rams won thirty eight thirty one. That was a close game. We were chasing that entire game. We were behind that entire game. Uh, that being said, the Vikings had the ball. Kirk Cousins had the ball in his hands with. A minute, two minutes left in the game. Chance to go down the field and tie the game. So, yes, that was a close game. So, two of those games, the loss and the tie, I could say, yes, close games. After that, they beat Philadelphia 23-21 in Philadelphia. That, would I would say, would be the only win in which they won a close game. After that, they beat Arizona 27-17. That game was never really in doubt. Destroyed the Jets 37-17. Loss of the Saints 30-20 to at home. That was a game in which... The Saints were up thirty to thirteen with six six minutes to play. So to me, getting it to ten, what I think anything that's two scores in the NFL is not a close game. And that was a seventeen point game with six minutes left. So no, that was not a close game. Beat the Lions twenty four to nine, not close. Beat the uh, loss of the Bears twenty five to twenty in Chicago. If you look at the final score, that looks like a close game, but that was one of those where Vikings were. Pretty much inept for the vast majority of the game until they got to garbage time. Once they got to garbage time, they scored a couple touchdowns to make that game look a lot closer than it, than it was. But the Bears led that game by 16 points with six minutes left in the game. So, uh, and even in between that, the Bears got a field goal in between those two scores for Minnesota. So, the margin of deficit looks closer than that game actually was. Vikings beat the Packers by 7 on November 25th, but had that game in hand. Then Vikings lost by 14 to New England, 24-10. Yes, that game was 10-10 at one point in the third quarter, but uh, New England, the second the Vikings tied the game up, they went right down the field, marched down the field, scored a touchdown, took control of the game, ended up winning by 14. If you win by two touchdowns, that's not a close game. Then the Vikings had to travel to Seattle, they lost 21 to 7 in that game. Now, that game was a very low scoring affair for a good portion of that game, basically until they got to the fourth quarter. I remember it being 3 nothing for quite some time. But Seattle absolutely took over in the fourth quarter. They were up 21 to nothing before yet, yes, another garbage touchdown by the Minnesota Vikings with a little over a minute to go. So not only did they lose by 14, but they got garbage touchdown just to get it to 14. And then. Two straight wins for the Vikings. They destroyed Miami, 41-17. Beat up Detroit pretty good, 27-9. And then lost to the Bears' final game of the season. I think we remember that one, 24-10. That was close at one point in the third quarter, but the Vikings' offense was so bad that entire game that they really never had a chance in that game. So I guess my point of all this is twofold. One, the Vikings really didn't lose a lot of close games. They really didn't even win a lot of close games. The, the games they won, they were they handily won most of them. The games they lost, they were losing by multiple scores. To me, a 14-point deficit is not a close game. But the other aspect of this is 
I see lots of football people will give that expl- explanations like this quite often in football, right? Just the old, got to do better in close games. Well, how do you do better in close games? How do you improve in that department? That's what I want to know. Ex- explain to me, if you thought you were poor in close games, what's going to be better about this season? It's not, you, you think it's just a random luck of the draw, coin flip on who gets better? It, it always reminds me of, I hear this one before Vikings games. You know, the Vikings' third down defense wasn't good enough last last weekend. So, it, you know, if we're better on third down defense this game, we got to give ourselves a chance to win. Well, sure. Any team that's good on third down defense is going to have a chance to win. How do you get better on third down defense? And I would argue part of the reason you weren't good on third down defense maybe in the previous week is because you weren't good on first down defense and you weren't good on second down defense and to put yourself in a position to be bad on third down defense. Just like the reason you allegedly weren't good in close games last year was, guess what, because you were chasing in all of those games. You were constantly down a touchdown, down two touchdowns, down ten points. It changes the way the game was played. So your inability to give yourself a lead in the first three quarters, give yourself a cushion, and play more competitively in those first three quarters was the reason why you couldn't finish it off in the fourth quarter. So, you know... I don't, know, I don't know about you, Max, but I, I always... It happens in football more than anything. Basically, when you're saying we need to win more close games, that's just, that could be me going on the air saying, well, if the Vikings score more points than they did the last year and give up less, we'll give ourselves a bit of I was going to say the same thing. That's like when they... they sometimes I even wonder why they, they ask players at halftime. That's the, the cliche. One of the cliche sports answers is, oh, we just we got we to gotta outscore the other team. We got to play better defense. Okay, how? Yeah, yeah. We need more specifics and... <laughs> That kind of lackadaisical general attitude is not how the Vikings are going to take it up to that no. next level. Well, you know, and football's not alone when it comes to the cliched stuff. My sport in hockey, they might actually be the worst, right? They, if you go to a uh, hockey interview in the in, in, during an intermission and they only have you know a minute, minute and a half to talk, they'll answer two, three questions, and it's basically all it's it's the same stuff of. You know, we just got to make sure we're working hard. We got to get get pucks deep and get you know really put some pressure on the puck. And well, yeah, start doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's never really there's never really like a strategic explanation as to you know they're playing this type of defense. Uh, they're really struggling in the neutral zone. It's always just the same cliched answers, and it happens quite a bit in football. Uh, by the way, uh, people are loving you. Hey, people are loving you. Um, Thanks, people. Yep, I love you, too. Yep, Yeldarb Lenhart says, Max Nerdery is the title of the email. <laughs> and I don't even know what this means. You might have to help me out. Vegeta? Vegeta! Vegeta! Yes! What's Vegeta? He's uh, this guy right here on my shirt. Oh, Vegeta's on your shirt. Yes, he's like one of the antagonists that okay. becomes a protagonist. Vegeta, he says, that's what I've got to say in terms of Dragon Ball Z's tone. And then he says, Max is quickly becoming my favorite producer on the fan. Yes. Glad to see more nerd inclusion. That's what I'm I'm a rare breed, man. I'm a I'm a, a nerd on paper and a sports nerd. It's okay to be a sports nerd. It's okay, yeah. I think we we finally reached the point in twenty nineteen, even though we might be going backwards at some point, of like nerds and dorks are a little at least from an adult standpoint, more include more inclusion. Yeah, definitely. It was 
it would not be cool for me to be a grown man wearing Spider-Man and anime t-shirts like, like 10 cool. years ago. Yeah, it's but cool. now it's cool. Yeah, now it's cool. Like it's cool for like guys to be like singers or in a band. Yeah, I mean, and there's, like, in, there's in junior high now whereas in, they're able to be a little bit more artistic. And there's people like public yeah. figures that are out here doing it. Like I know like Michael B. Jordan was like, oh yeah, I watch anime. I was like, well, where were you when I was a kid? Michael B. Jordan. Who's and, Michael B. Jordan? You, you ever seen Creed? Black Panther? I have not seen the movie. I wanted to either see that. of them. Oh, he's the, he's the lead guy in that movie. He's the villain in Black Panther. I wanted to watch Black is... Panther. I have no idea what Creed is. Rocky. Oh, the, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I haven't seen either. Oh my god. I have. I don't. I have two kids. I don't have time to go to movies. The movies I watch now are Moana and Trolls. Yeah, same. <laughs> I hate. I, I hate Trolls. By cars the way, and Cars Two and Cars Three. Trolls is the worst Trolls kids movie. Trolls ain't bad. But I, I'm I'm pretty depressed that like Moana is my favorite kids movie. And, you know, you know, they go through stretches where they want to watch the same movie over and over again for like yes. a month. My daughter's doing that with Snow White right now. Snow White? Yeah. It's the worst when you get into the bad one. Yeah. And then you're <laughs> like, oh, we got to watch this one again. Um, I haven't watched Moana in like a year and a half because my kids won't watch anymore. It's made me depressed. Same thing with Sesame Street. They yeah. won't watch Sesame Street anymore, and I love that show. Yeah, they don't They don't even compromise. So I was telling my daughter, like, hey, I'm cool with Aladdin. She's like, no, I want Snow White. <laughs> uh, five questions next. We got Michael Russo at 1 o'clock. And then we have Lobby at 115, Mark Rosen at 2, but we'll do five questions. Max will be asking it next right here on The Fan. It's the interim producer filling in for the interim host. It's 10 of B, Brandon Molesky on The Fan. Heading out to TCO for Minnesota Vikings training camp. We're broadcasting live throughout camp, presented by our friends at the Minnesota Lottery. Say, I'm into summer. Also, stop by our booth on the plaza to find out how you can win awesome prizes from the Minnesota Lottery. production during the commercial break and of course we switched all our computers over to uh something that's basically like foreign to me and it takes like three minutes to start up so uh i was expecting to get it all done during the commercial break and that did not happen but that's okay uh max is here it's time now for time now for five questions well actually three but five sounds like more than four Question number one. Okay, um, let's go. Let's start with the NBA. Uh, Clay Thompson said today in an interview with ESPN that it's ignorant to think that the Warriors dynasty is over. Do you think Golden State will win another championship in the near future? Uh, I would. I agree with them. I, I think people have kind of given up on this team. And I, I know Kevin Durant left, and Kevin Durant is a top three player in the National Basketball Association, but. This team did go 
They seventy three and nine, or they were seventy two, seventy two and ten, seventy three and nine. Seventy three and nine, I believe. Before Kevin Durant, I think Steph Curry is one of the most, not only one of the most underrated basketball players in the NBA. I think he might be one of the most underrated athletes going right now. I think everyone thinks he's really good. I think he's absolutely elite. He's, I think he's the best shooter of all time. He's the best shooter I've ever seen. Um, in in a, in a game that is trending towards being able to take the three point shot, Clay obviously is also one of the best shooters I've ever seen. Now. This year, Dynasty might get broken up a little bit, not only because he loses Durant, but because uh, Clay, uh, you know, I don't know when he's going to come back, and even if he does, you don't know what he's going to be able to produce out on the basketball court. So, you know, is Golden State going to be one of the top two teams in the Western Conference this year? Probably not. But, yeah, I remember during the finals last year when, when uh, Durant was out, and I think Clay was out, and a commentator said, this lineup for the Warriors won't even make the Western Conference playoffs, and I thought that was a little, a little, li- little, little extreme because I do think Steph Curry's that good of a player. Probably will go down a little bit, but you're telling me in two, three years when both Steph and Clay are 100. percent Not to mention it's the NBA, Max. Just, just <laughs> yeah. because those are the only two guys there now doesn't exactly. mean a year or two from now that they're going to be the only two stars. Even by then. February. Well, and they got, yeah, and they got D'Angelo they, Russell. They got D'Angelo Russell, uh, which is uh, you know really what's hurting them is because they've had to pay all these star guys. The kind of their depth pieces have slowly worn off, right? Iguodala had they had to let him go. I think that's the bigger deal than yeah. Kevin Durant leaving so, is Andre Iguodala leaving. Yeah. So when they have, well, I wouldn't go that far. Not the bigger. I mean, like <laughs> I obviously, go that far. I, I mean, in terms of dynasty, like dynastic aspirations, yeah. like. That I think that is a big blow, but because Kevin Durant leaving was a given, they still have two guys that are capable of being, uh, you know, studs. And let's face it, look at look at this year in the NBA, the three man stud thing isn't going to happen this year. No, everybody's got duos. Everyone's got two. You got LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis in with the Lakers. You've got Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers. Durantula is teaming up with Kyrie in Brooklyn. Uh, Butler's leaving Philly, so now it's you know. Uh, Simmons and uh, what's the big guy's name? Embiid. Who else am I missing for duos? I mean, Milwaukee doesn't even have a duo. They just kind of have the one big yeah, guy, Greek Freak. Um, Westbrook and Harden. So, uh, yeah, Westbrook and Harden. So, it's not like Golden State now has to deal with, oh, someone else has got a big three. They're better than us. It's just which, which big two is going to be the better. I, I'm guessing after a year of Golden State kind of being able to retooling, no, knowing they don't have Durantial anymore, and technically, D'Angelo Russell is probably a better third than anyone else has. Yeah, in the NBA, if Clay gets healthy, I, I would still consider Golden State cream of the crop in the West. But as you mentioned, Iguodala leaving, their depth and their bit guys—they still have Draymond Green, and he's pretty good too. Their depth—they they get a little have some issues when they have to you have to rest some guys and get into their second team guys. And if they have any injuries at all, they don't really have anyone that can come come uh, fill up the first team minutes. Yeah, and uh, like you said, there's no, it's not, the bar isn't as high as it has been in the past years where it's like, okay, you have to stop Kevin Durant, DeMarcus Cousins, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson. It's everybody has two, so there's not anybody that's going to be destroying every other team like the Warriors were doing. So there's no reason to think that this dynasty is over. And uh, Clay and uh, Curry have been there. They have the heart of a champion. They're not afraid of the moment, so I would not give up on those two. It's like in the NFL, people have forever been known. This is the year the New England Patriots drop off, and, yeah. they, and they never do. <laughs> yeah. Tom, For the last five years. Tom Brady is, what, 41 years old now, and this play doesn't drop off. 
Question number two. Okay, sticking with the NBA, uh, another player, Carmelo Anthony also had an interview on ESPN today, an at-length interview with Stephen A. Smith. And among other things, he said that he believes he can still play and would be willing to accept a different role on a team at this point in his career. <laughs> Do you think Melo should get a shot at a final season and uh, a farewell season. A.K.A. nobody's calling me, so I will do whatever I can <laughs> yeah. to be on an NBA team. I can't lie, it was kind of sad to to listen to it. It seemed it seemed really sad to see Melo in that He's kind of He's probably made position. hundreds of millions of dollars. He's He won a national championship. I don't mean sad like I'm, he, I'm over here crying. He's, he's, I won just a, mean... he's won a gold medal. Carmelo Anthony's going to be okay. Now, I've never been a big Carmelo Anthony fan. And I'm now saying this after he did carry Syracuse to a national championship, and he has been part of a gold medal team, but let's face it, they're facing players that are like at my level. I've never... I think I, Carmelo's just not a winner. He's not a... He's not a guy that can elevate teammates. I don't... I don't. He. I think he has issues uh, integrating, him, integrating himself within a roster and figuring out roles, and if what he said is sincere of, hey, I'm willing to take any role, which I don't believe... Because he hasn't done that. Even yeah, not, in Houston, he hasn't done that. So I don't believe that. And I don't believe. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's true, but he definitely has not let teams know that because there's no way that he wouldn't be on a team right now if he actually let that be known that he's willing to take a different role. If he's willing to take veterans minimum, and if and if he's sincere that he's willing to take any role, aka basically, let's face it, he's second team off the bench, but a guy who can add instant offense for you, but he can't share the ball. I mean, that's his problem. It's it's the black hole. You get into him, and the ball never goes back anywhere else. Um, and it can work for certain teams, but even even LeBron, he, he shares the ball. He's he'll he'll pass up the shot and with twenty seconds to go because he wants to find the open guy. Uh, Melo's never been able to incorporate himself in an NBA team. Uh, he wants to be the guy. He's not the guy anymore. He's not good enough to be the guy anymore. And I don't blame any NBA team for not wanting him on the roster because I think he's more more likely to disrupt chemistry than be able to help it. Question number three. Look at you asking me two NBA questions out of the gate. You really have no idea about <laughs> what I know and what I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, something that I'm surprised actually hasn't been brought up on the show yet. Uh, to the Twins moving to the yeah. MLB. Does... Okay, we all know we were on the air yesterday. The twins, uh, to borrow a word from your son, poopied in the bed yesterday. Great at the end of the game, um, losing, I believe, five to four they did. Uh, in the twelfth inning. Uh, does the twins' loss yesterday prove that they should have made a major move to improve pitching before the trade deadline? It's an obvious question, but something that needs to be well, asked. Well, I mean, you know, if you if you would have made the major move, aka, let's say you get a Madison Bumgarner. It's not going to change the result of yesterday's game, right? I mean, Pineda is still going to get a start for you. The bullpen still is what it is, and you know I'm not really, uh, I'm not going to give up on Sam Dyson after one awful performance from him. So, I wanted them to make a big splash, but I don't think the splash has anything to do with yesterday's loss. You over 162 games, you're going to have blowups, you're going to have meltdowns, you're going to have some choke jobs every once in a while. It's going to be consistent over the long run, and I still am confident in this team they can. I, I will say, though, I thought the manager might have mishandled this a little bit yesterday. With the whole uh, plane, the plane trip? Yeah, and... well, well, you know, so we were on the air, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to act like 
we were watching every pitch. And so this is this is a lot easier to say the following day uh, after you see it blow up on them. But two, two parts to this. One, Sam Dyson comes in off a plane from Philadelphia. He didn't he didn't arrive until the third inning of the game, right? So he didn't have a chance to say hi to teammates, get to know them, go through your normal stretching routine, get some get some long toss going on beforehand. Like it's just a it's a different, you know, I think all athletes to a certain extent are are creatures of habit, and this is something that is completely different than what he's used to doing. Um on top of that, Michael Pineda and like I said, we were on the air, so I can't act like I was watching the game really in, uh, intently and seeing every pitch and seeing how well he was pitching. But I just look at the overall stats and I go, he gave up one run on seven hits in six innings. Pretty good line. He only threw 80 pitches. Why are we pulling him? Right? In April and even May, when he's coming off of a year and a half long injury, I understand. We're now into August. He should be able to go more than 80 pitches. It appeared as if he was pitching well. If you want to take off some pressure on your bullpen, it'd be nice to have your starters go past six innings every once in a while. And well, well then there's another aspect of this, too. The previous game, the Twins had Miami the entire time. All of a sudden, in the ninth inning, I think they were up 7 nothing, 7 one, I think 7 nothing going into the ninth inning. And something called Sean Poppin, who's not on the team anymore, he was given his uh, walking papers to Rochester after the game, gives up a grand slam in that game, forcing Taylor Rogers to go into the ninth inning of the previous day. So what happened is, is yesterday, because Sean Poppin couldn't get out of the ninth inning against Miami the previous day, Rocco didn't want to go to Taylor Rogers yesterday for his third consecutive, to be pitching in the third consecutive game, which led to probably a decision to put Sam Dyson in a game that he shouldn't be pitching in. He, he arrived in the third inning. A um, little extra pressure of, of your first game in a new uniform. And clearly, he probably had the worst performance he's had all season. He's a guy who doesn't walk anyone. He's only had seven walks all year, and yet he had two yesterday. So just kind of like a bunch of things coming together. Yeah. And heck, Taylor Rogers, the way he got out of that inning yesterday, I know he gave up the two-run single, but that was... Basically, he gave up the two-run single. It wasn't hit hard. It was a chopper. The shift was in a bad spot. And then he got out of a bases-loaded zero-outs jam to even give him a chance to win in 12 innings, which the offense can come through. So I I do think Rocco, and like I said, easier to say the next day, Rocco deserves some blame uh, for that loss yesterday. It's not, not often you can put it on the manager, but I think the manager mishandled that. And the fact that the fact that their bullpen was so weak, the fact that we have guys like Sean Poppin in our bullpen the day before led to Taylor Rogers' overuse, in which that would have been an easy spot to put him in yesterday. And they ain't losing 4-1 to Miami with Taylor Rogers throwing the ninth flat yesterday. Question number three. Okay, um, this was a question I actually was going to ask before, but uh, I think it's a nice, fun little question for a Friday. Monday afternoon, Le'Veon Bell tweeted an apology to everyone who drafted him in fantasy football last year and promised to make up for it this year. You love this story. I do. I, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to ask about it, so oh. I just I, I, I oh, thought okay. it would be fun. Um, would you draft Le'Veon Bell in your fantasy league this year? Sure, I wouldn't draft him as I high as I would have uh, in a uh, Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. I did draft him last year. It was one of those where... Took the chance? Well, you've you've got 
it's a week before the season starts, right? Mm-hmm. So you're still thinking, oh, there's still a chance. There's still a good chance he can arrive before the week starts. They'll figure it out. Or even if he misses a game or two, you think, well, eventually he's he's going to be in a in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. It, it was an auction draft, and because of the uncertainty. I figured, well, you're kind of getting a good dollar amount on him. Whereas if he does play, I'm getting a, quite the value on Le'Veon Bell here, or because he should be, you know, ten to fifteen dollars higher mm-hmm. in an auction draft. But he's not going that because of the uncertainty. If if he does end up playing Week One, I just got a steal at this dollar amount. And then my also my plan was, well, I'll also get you can get James Conner in the auction draft for two dollars. I got his backup, so I'll still have productive player. So. That being said, I went a whole season with basically having, you know, $35, 40 of auction value <laughs> not on my team. But I also did get the, the handcuff of James Conner, who was not at Le'Veon Bell level, but still a pretty productive running back. So would you draft him this well? Yeah, he's not he's not sitting out. But he doesn't have Ben Roethlisberger anymore. He doesn't have Antonio Smith and uh Juju taking away uh any of the looks anymore. He'll he'll get like He'll get the ball a lot. He's going to have a uh, a lot of volume, and that's important to running backs in fantasy football. If you have a if you have a bell cow type running back who touches the ball as often as he will, he's going to score. He's going to get points, but I don't think they'll be in as much goal line red zone type situation just because the offense isn't going to be able to move as well, which is going to limit some of the scoring he can do. He's always a suspension injury risk, and that's a little bit. So I think Charge has it right. When he was in on Monday with his fantasy football rankings of he's not top three, top five fantasy football running back that he once was. I think Charge had him somewhere 10 to 15 range. I think he had like 14. He's one of those where at 14, I think he can go above where his average draft position is. Yeah, so I think, I think you could get a good value on him there. But uh, yeah, definitely not taking him uh, top five running backs or anything like that. Uh, I'm sure you have another question, but we got to get to Michael Russo. Okay. And that's it for today's edition of Five Questions. Well, actually, three questions, but five sounds like more than four. Michael Russo of The Athletic joins me next. He's supposed to have a story coming out. I know why it's being delayed. Um, Could come out any uh, minute. Could come out in the next hour or so. Hopefully it comes out this afternoon. But it does sound like he, regardless of whether it comes out, he will talk to me about what's going on in the story. And basically it's a... Basically a tell-all of everything that happened to uh, behind the scenes with the Minnesota Wild in this past year that led to Paul Fenton being fired. So I will talk with Michael Russo of The Athletic in studio next. It's Tennessee filling in for Common on the fan. Dan Cole, Michael Russo of The Athletic. In studio with me, Michael broke the story on Paul Fenton being fired from the Minnesota Wild uh, earlier this week. Should have a story out shortly at The Athletic and TheAthletic.com, which congratulations on your uh, half million, um, what you call them, subscribers. Oh, yeah. And I, my guess is it's going to jump to a million after you release this, <laughs> after you release this yeah. story. Actually, we have a announcement coming. What is today? We have an announcement coming in like two days, three days. Monday, 
that will probably get us to a million. Uh, really? Yeah, we have a huge, huge expansion coming. Ooh, some uh, big names. Yeah, uh, overseas. Ooh, wow. And um, hired a bunch of incredible writers, and uh, I think we're about to uh, absolutely but to blow up. Uh, blow up, yeah. It's good to be my. Not that we haven't already, but man, you know, this it's it's amazing. You know, when I, I was like the sixth hockey writer in, uh, hired. We had like seventy people in Vancouver at our uh, at the draft, and we have like four hundred writers now and like five hundred something employees at yeah. the Athletic. Isn't it crazy? You guys are what, a big deal. Like, what happened in two years? Yeah, and, and I just remember how how stressful uh, I was during that whole process because you know you're coming in at the very beginning stages of something, and you're just like, all right, I'm leaving a known quantity, sure. like an incredible Unknown. brand like the Strib uh, to go there. But it's been it's been cool. Well, luckily for you, you were going to get a following wherever you work, so you already had that that built-in audience. And I guess what is probably great about your job, but Common just learned that I left. Yeah, trip. I, yeah, I heard you were the athletic. What's that? Yeah, you love that bit, don't yeah. you? Every but, time I see, him, he keeps the bit going. Every time I see him in the hallway, here, he's like, "Where have you gone? I I don't <laughs> see your name in the paper." Oh, it'll never end. I've yeah. I've been interim for literally fourteen years. So, <laughs> um, but what's part of great about working at the athletic now is you don't have a, a limit as to how many words you can write. And you yeah. uh, you put a lot of words <laughs> into the story that's going to be released later today. Um, I don't know which part to start on. There's there's lots to talk about. You've got an advanced copy. I, well, advanced, not the official copy, but uh, I, I got to read a bunch of it. Um, man, I don't know where to start. Let's, let's start with the actual, because I think people have all year long said, why are you making that trade, bad trade? And the thing that caught me off guard the most when I read this, I'm like, I can't believe a general manager would do this, is the Nino, Nino Niederreiter Victor Rass trade, which I think we all know did not go too well for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, but according to your writing, the Wild basically didn't send any scouts to watch Victor Rask. Yeah, and didn't watch any before video. The trade. No scouts, no video, nothing. Um, That's and, bonkers to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, the trade came out of the blue. You know, usually the way it works in, in hockey, too, I mean, and, and Paul had trouble getting used to this, is that, you know, uh, because of the amount of sources I have in this league, I usually get win when something's going on. Now, I've known Nino was on the block all year. We were writing it, right? Yeah. Um, Charlie, Granny even. But but that one came totally out of the blue. Um, and then when it was for Victor Rask, it really it really was just shocking. And um, because it doesn't take much to just see that his game has fallen off uh, the last couple of years. And, and Really, what that RAS deal signified was kind of the beginning of a lot of dissension in the front office. It was already a very unhealthy place to be. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of Chuck Fletcher's previous regime were there was dissension from the very beginning with Paul and the way that they were treated. Um, but but finally, these guys really started to step up and saying, "Wait, wait, wait! What are you doing here? What is your plan? What is your vision? Why? You know, this is why." Regardless of the trade, this is why if you add Rask, it contradicts other things. It's going to affect other things down the road. And the one tell, tell sign of Paul Fenton is that it just never seemed that he was organized, had a plan, or a vision. The potato move is another thing that I write about in there mm-hmm. that just, like I'm a beat writer. And when they picked that move up, I immediately wrote, what are they doing? Does he not realize that what the, the roster pickle that he has just created for himself it's 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 just like he never he never I mean just look at the way the roster is constructed and how nothing makes sense everything's disjointed left wings right wings this guy playing that line wait well just put that guy in the penalty kill this it's like he never just put that stuff together he was completely unprepared for this job and the Batetto one was insane 
They'd won three in a row, four or five. They're on fire going into the break. One big reason why they're on fire is Cunnan and Erickson Eck. Cunnan's been playing hurt. So what does he do? He sends these guys to the minors during the breaks. So not only are they angry because they have to cancel their Ulster game and buy plans, but now you're taking a guy in Luke Cunnan that's hurt, and you're saying go down there and play. But then what does he do the next day? He picks up Anthony Batetto off waivers. So now with Eric Fair coming off IR at the time and Batetto on the roster, he's got 23 men they can't recall Cunning and, and Erickson X, so the team is finally playing well, and he has just absolutely blow, blew a hole through the roster. So what predictably happens after the break? The Wilder garbage in their first two games, and now he can't get them back up, so what does he do? He takes Nate Prosser, the most popular guy in that locker room, and JT Brown, and throws him in the minors to make room to, for Cunning and Erickson X, and the Wild won one game in their first 10 in February, and their season ended. Crazy. It was all because of that... The, 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 the tr- trickle effect of that one Batetto move really destroyed the month of February. And then it, what it did is it also, because they went into this free fall, it said to Craig Leopold, okay, you could trade Granlin and Coyle now too. And so it just it was just total poor mismanagement from the very beginning. Well, and speaking of Granlin, you write in the story basically that uh, there might have been some pushback yes, from, from other time. people in the organization about making that trade. Yeah. And uh, you make it seem like um, his longtime uh, hit boss in Nashville uh, just, Mr. Poyle just basically uh, played him. Yeah, the way that I understand is that all month long he was like, ah, I don't know, you know, I really love Fiala, you know, he's going to be a superstar, you know, I don't know. And so he just kind of strung <laughs> him along for a month to the point that the front office that, were, that was trying to get him to stop being singularly focused on this one player that he was obsessed with, Fiala, had to actually, it got to the point that it's like they, they gave up on trying to stop him just from talking to other teams. They just tried to keep him from making giving up more than Granlin. I mean, he was thinking of giving up other pieces. He was thinking of retaining salary. And the only reason why he didn't retain salary is he didn't know I didn't put this in the story because I wasn't able to like kind of second source it. Like this this story is very well sourced even though it's it's um you know, a lot of it's obviously off the record stuff, but I I I multi-sourced everything but this one facet of the story, I only got one source on it, but what I was told is that he didn't realize that when you retain salary in the NHL, you have to do it evenly over the course of the rest of the contract, and that he, he didn't realize that he would also have to next year retain salary for Groundland, too, and so that's when he backed out of but that. But the general manager should yeah. know that. Yes. I mean, that should be... I mean, he didn't know CBA rules. It's, it was it was really alarming. Uh, it also sounds like there was a lot of friction between basically everyone in the front office from when Brent Flair left. Obviously, we know Andrew Br- Brunette got mm-hmm. let go after... He hired his son and basically had him running the scouting department, even though he didn't necessarily have the history. Um, it just seems like even even guys within his front office weren't happy with him. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely there was a definite dissension between uh, you know his inner circle and foot soldiers that he brought in, um, you, you know Tom Curvers, Jack Ferrara, and and PJ Fenton and him versus kind of the old regime, and it it just you know it, it, there was create a lot of issues in there, and um, and. There was a lot of dissenters, and over the last year, it's not just those guys. I mean, you have the analytics department gone, both of them. Um, you have uh, the, the, just the other day. It sounds like he just didn't even pay yeah, attention to the Just the, the other day, a really quality kid from their front office before the firing went and worked for Chuck Fletcher, even with a year left on his contract. Um, scouts galore gone. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a shell of the front office it was last year, and they got to build it back up. I mean, you know, both the scouting department and the front office. Uh, one part that was a little alarming to me as well is um, basically that Paul Fenton wasn't here a lot. That he 
in, in the middle of the season for three weeks. He was in Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, late in the season when it was pretty yep. important. Um, most of this offseason, he hasn't been in Minnesota, including he left Minnesota on July 2nd. It's unbelievable. To That's crazy. Yeah. And he, he planned that in early June. He he booked a flight on July 2nd to get out of here. I mean, it's, it's insane. <laughs> I, I've talked to everybody. I've, I mean, GMs around the league that were shocked at that. Um, and again, you could work, do work from anywhere in this day and age, yeah. but just the look that it created inside the organization, um, it, it was it was not good. I mean, it just created this perception that he wasn't working. You know, this is like, you know, in July 2nd, you know what you should be doing? If you really think you're done in free agency, fly to Edmonton and go meet with Jared Spurgeon. Yeah. That's what you should do. Yeah. And there's just no excuse for it. So, so uh, explain, if you can at all, if there's any logic to it, why the delay in, in the Jared Spurgeon negotiations. I, I've, I've heard I you know. talk on Barrero show that basically you need to you need to know what he's thinking before draft time because that's when you, you yeah. have to trade him. I mean, it, again, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to, like, you know, again, like the Botetto thing, when I was questioning him about it and what it was going to do to the roster, he looked at me like I was from outer space. And same thing in Iowa when I asked him, like, don't you need to get in front of, this is in April, Get in front of Spurgeon right now, and he again looked at me like out of space. Like, like I'm a beat writer, and I feel like I could have run that like this in a in a much better way. At least I know the collective bargaining. After reading your story, I think I could have ran the Minnesota Wild better. And and the Jared Spurgeon thing just screams of either inexperience or laziness. Uh, You know, like this is the second they fired Shep Harder, I knew this thing was going to be in deep trouble because Shep would have been the one that the second the season ended would have called Eustace King up and said, "All right, look, I know I'm not allowed to sign." Spurgeon until July 1 to an extension, but we got to see what you guys want. Let's exchange some numbers. Let's meet. I'll fly to yeah. you, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it just never happened. You know, Shep was fired. They hired this this new guy, Chris O'Hearn, and, um, and, and he, you know, he's new. He's moving his family here, all that stuff. So, you know, he's, he's, and he's also not the boss. And so it just seemed like they were waiting and waiting and waiting. And so normally by that point, you want to know at that point if, if Jared Spurgeon is going to ask something that you can't stomach. Well, then the time to move him is the draft. But the second you get past the draft, I mean, there are like no trades in the NHL after draft yeah. until the season starts. So the second that you get past there, Jared's got all the leverage in the world. Because he also knows, you know, not him, but his people know, in the situation that come trade deadline time, his value is not nearly as as big as it is right now. And so they Not waited. to mention after July 1st when all these defensemen are yeah. getting big deals, it, yeah. it raises his Exactly. So, so you know, look, I, I hand Paul Fenton credit at that meeting with Eustace King in Vancouver saying, we want him, he's very important to us, you know, making that clear. But that still doesn't accelerate the process. No numbers have ex- been exchanged at that point. Jared still wants to meet with you face-to-face to find out what the long-term vision of this team is because it doesn't look like it was a year ago. Yeah. And he wants to know. And so now, um, and then in the interim, you have a, a league where you have Truba up, you have Petrangelo that's going into his last year of the deal, Roman Yossi going into his last year of the deal, Tyson Berry going into his last year of the deal, Tory Krug going into his last year of the deal. Like, this is all out there. It's public knowledge. Yep. Right? So you know, as a GM, the landscape is going to change for, for a defenseman of Spurgeon's talent. And so to me, you want to be the first one. You set the market. Yeah. You know, before it gets to eight, which Truba signed for, you want to be the guy that says, How about six eight? Yep. You know? Yep. And now you say six eight to him thinking like, wow, you know, that's that's now he's insulted. Than, yeah, yeah. And and now you're just like, wait a minute, what? Wouldn't you rather have me than Jacob Truba? Which I think any Wild fan would say yes, and I think Bruce Boudreaux would probably say yes. And if that's the case, I'm not saying that the Wild are gonna have to pay Spurgeon eight. You know, maybe he'll play ball here, but but if you, if you think that Truba that you would rather have Spurgeon than Truba and Truba just no signed doubt, for fifty six million, 
mean, Trub is younger, but still. Yeah. yeah, he's younger. You're right. But, yeah, there's no there's no comparison in the two players. Exactly. Uh, talking with Michael Russo of The Athletic should have a story on Paul Fenton. Uh, hopefully at some point today on The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. Um, one that, one, I, I knew there were some issues regarding leaks and um, <laughs> things getting out to the media just based on the, the way Paul got into it in his uh, year-end press conference, which I thought he looked like an amateur when he did that. Um, but it sounds like pretty much Michael Russo breaking news caused a lot of tension yeah, no, in, in was, the Minnesota was, Wild organization. Yeah, it was really bad this year. I mean... And a lot of it, you know, I put a lot of this stuff in, and trust me, that's the tip of the iceberg. Sure, I put in. I mean, I really glossed over the the. Trust me, when you read you know about, more than you, you write. When about you, well, it's, well, yeah. when when you read about these anecdotes of him trying to pass down leaks and the fights that he that that were that maybe he and I got into, um, you know, I really dumbed it down. I mean, I made it like glossed over it. But 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 the reality is, and and while this might seem like just media versus GM quarrels, it created an attention. From last summer to the end, throughout the organization, from the front office down to the locker room, that everybody felt because he, on every story I wrote, he would spend more. He would spend an inordinate amount of time trying to figure out who told me what the where the leaks were. Not, not respecting the fact that I've covered the league. This is gonna be my twenty fifth year coming up. That there's a gazillion places to get new to get information outside the Minnesota Wild boundaries at three seventeen Washington, and so he. You know, just constantly um, would accuse people, threaten jobs flippantly. You know, guys that make forty grand, telling them, you know, if I find out it was you, you're done. That type of stuff. And <laughs> so, what it does is it creates this toxic environment where everybody's scared. And so, even on the so, what it did is it might have buttoned everybody up. But I'll tell you what: the second I still wrote a story, everybody in the organization was like, "Oh my god." I'm going to get accused now because I knew what yeah. he wrote coincidentally. And now I'm going to get, you know, and it just created this, it just was such an unhealthy environment and it was felt in the locker room. I mean, he was going in there and, and, and having team meetings in the heart of losing streaks, just enraged because news of injuries got out in the, in the either, you know, the athletic or the pioneer press of the star tribune. And it, it just was, it was unbelievable. Well, and you didn't even re- reveal all the injuries as well. You, yes, you were I mean, I, I and that was that was with, the yeah. other thing. I mean, I tell the story in there, and I don't want to get. I want people to read the story. But I tell the story in there that I, I was doing my best to respect his wishes, and if and I basically made a deal with him, like if there's a chance the guy's going to get targeted, if he's playing with an injury that I know with, or I know that he's only going to be out a week or two, I'm I'll go with lower upper. But if he's done or out for the yes. year, like like I'm sorry, like Dumbo Koivu tears his ACL and the pectoral, like I'm writing it. That's my job, and no one's so I respected that next year when he's healthy. So I waited until I was a hundred percent certain that Parisi was not playing again this season before I reported his injuries, and it's still triggered just <laughs> an absolute. Uh, there's a lot more in your story that I know you're, that people will be able to read at the Athletic and theAthletic.com. So uh, we'll move away for two two things. I know you've also reported the Wild have interviewed Ron Hextall and uh, Peter Torelli yep. for the uh, GM possession. Uh, do you have any idea how those two went and uh, what's well, maybe next know, for interviews? The one thing I want to caution everybody, because I saw the reaction to uh, Shirelli, yeah. and and the one thing I want to caution everybody is just because you get an interview doesn't mean anything. I mean, this is going to be a long process. This is in the early stages. Sometimes when you're interviewing people, you're doing it. I mean, look, say what you want about the way that things ended in Edmonton about Peter Shirelli, but he still built a Stanley Cup champion in Boston, and he's been a GM for 10 years or so. So you just want to hear maybe what his opinions of your organization are. 
and you might be almost using him where he really isn't a viable candidate. Sometimes when you do these interviews, you're also maybe doing favors for people in the league that are guiding you and say, please do me a favor, just bring Shirelli sure. in for an interview. So I don't think Shirelli is at all. But Wild fans have seen yes, Leopold get, you know, go after the first yeah, guy that he's interviewed, yeah, so yeah, I understand no why they think that way. Um, Hessel, I do think, is a, is a legit candidate. He's left the Philadelphia Flyers in a really good state. He actually did a quality job when you look at their on ice there. Like Brent Flair and, and Chuck Fletcher have walked into a really quality uh, situation there, with their, especially with their prospects. Um, but, you know, he does seem to have a lot of, at least what's told to me, personality traits that Paul Fenton had. Now, he's a great hockey guy, but he does have a small inner circle of people that he trusts. He is a micromanager. Um, he is very patient, um, you know, wants to build from within, which might not gel with exactly the way that Craig Leopold wants to win now. And, um, and there were employees at the end in Philadelphia that were not fans, um, which is part of being the boss, right? So, um, so that seems like if you're going to try to change the culture here and get also a, a GM that's going to have a great relationship with the media and the fans and get their message across, it might not seem like the greatest hire, but we'll see. Right now, of those two, he's a legit candidate. From there, I think they're talking to Don Waddell, who's the current Carolina GM and, and president, led them to an Eastern Conference final this year. He's technically a free agent. Boggles my mind. After the year they just it's, had. It's just insane that he's waffling in the wind right now. Um, they're going to entirely talk to him. Just, um, when, he's in, when he's doing contract negotiations, yeah. he just say, Nino for Rask. Yep. Give me money. Yep, yep. <laughs> exactly. And um, I asked him, is there any way Nino would come with him? <laughs> so, um, so and then uh, the others that are, to me, actually, that could wind up being legitimate candidates. Like, I don't think they're going to limit themselves just to the very small, small pool of people that have GM experience. So you, the the four guys that really intrigue me are Tom Fitzgerald, last year's runner-up. I think he'd be a fabulous hire. Billy Guerin, who played with Mike Madonna as part of this process, I think he'd be a good hire. Mm-hmm. And then there's two other guys that suddenly I'm hearing a lot of that actually I think by the end of this could emerge as real candidates, and that's Chris Drury, who everybody knows, Little League World Series, USA yep. Hockey, Lore, assistant GM in the Rangers, and then Mark Hunter, Who's uh, Dale Hunter's brother was the longtime assistant GM in Toronto is now the is is always been the London Knights uh, co-owner and current GM. He's somebody that I think is very respected in the league. And then another one also, if you want if you want GM experience, is Brian Lawton. And Lawton, um, you know, if you know him, he's very very uh, smart. Has watched this team more than anybody. He's probably watched more games in the league than anybody because of his role in NHL Network. So I do think that he'll at least have a conversation with Craig Leopold. Uh, final question: You mentioned Madano. Um... I've always thought it's an interesting dynamic in sports where you have owners who basically have no experience. Yeah. Right? With the, they, they didn't play hockey or didn't, don't really have hockey experience having to make decisions on hockey guys. So, therefore, what kind of role does Madonna now have in this in terms of hiring the GM? Yeah, I think he has got a big role. I think I give Craig Leopold and Matt Make credit because I think they realized that one of their shortcomings last time around was that they didn't, and the, and the criticism that I gave them was that that. They didn't have a hockey guy in there asking questions, and like there's just certain things you got to, you know. I was just doing the athletic hour, which runs Saturday at two on the Fan Plus uh, with John Krasinski, and he said something very, you know, true is that you as a GM, uh, as an owner, need to basically be confident enough to know what you don't know. Yeah, and and now you bring Mike Madonna, a hockey guy, in the process who could ask questions, and I'll be doing, you know, I'll I'll be writing more about this in the next couple of days on what Madonna's role is, but I do think that Madonna has really schooled himself into trying to figure out the right things that you should ask a GM in this process. I think you got to ask about analytics. This is a new time in the NHL with puck tracking coming into the league where all of a sudden, 
you know, there's going to be, I mean, these arenas now are going to be mapped out and have quadrants where basically the entire on ice is mapped and you're going to get all this information about players that you've never had before and you've got to have somebody that's going to be, one, willing to understand that, accept it, uh, learn it, and and uh, and hire a staff that's going to be able to really put that into information that's going to help you do your job. So that's one of the things I think is extremely important part important here. But I think Mike Madonna can ask questions about culture, about plan. You know, really realize right away if you ask him, all right, give me some potential trade offers. Give me what your long term vision is of his team. That he'll his light bulb will go off right away if he realizes that this guy doesn't really know what he's talking yep. about, or that he absolutely has a way to get this team back to where it was. And that's the whole point here. Is like I give Craig Leopold, like say what you want about the embarrassing mistake that they made in hiring Paul Fenn, but it was it took a lot of guts for them yep. to make that decision the other day to realize knowing they're going to get ripped for it, knowing that yep. they're going to get ripped for it. In a, in a time where they're, they're having trouble selling tickets and their organization already has become, you know, kind of the butt of jokes uh, league-wide here. And so they're trying to get change the narrative, get it back on track, and get this team back up to near the top of the pedestal in the market. And so last the other day wasn't easy. And uh, after this Paul Fenton story that runs later today, hopefully, mm-hmm. on The Athletic, uh, you know, I do also plan to kind of move along here and uh, start really focusing on who the next candidates are, how to get this team back on track, um, you know, talk about Mike Madonna's role, and uh, I already have a plan. I'm, I'm uh, 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 next week. I'm flying to go visit a player to do a big feature on him. So I'm already starting to kind of look at. All right, let's let's. Enough you're going to see past. Jared Spurgeon before a wild GM does. Is what you're saying? <laughs> no, not necessarily. <laughs> Somebody else, I promise. Uh, so. Thank you so much. Really yep. appreciate your time. I would keep you on forever, but then little B is going to be bitter with me. So <laughs> no problem. Appreciate it, Michael Russo yeah. from the Athletic. Theathletic.com should have a story hopefully at some point today. Uh, which goes even further than what he just talked about the last 15 minutes. Uh, Lil B is next. Coming out, 10 p.m. You're listening to Brandon Molesky on the FAN. Uh, must be better with me. She must be better. I went way too long with Michael Russo. And now she has not arrived. What's up with that version of Foxy Lady you just played, by the way? You can't even like hear the words. Yeah, I don't know. I typed, I typed in Foxy Lady, and uh, that's that's what popped up. Oh, so. you, gotta, you gotta go to songs next time. I thought you were just ditching me because I went long, and I went long with Michael Russo. Cut into your time. Yep, no one thought you were going to be better. Thought you were just going to hold out, ask for a new contract. <laughs> What's going on, Lil B? The smoke show from Glencoe. Oh, nothing. How are you? I'm doing all right. You're looking great, as usual. Okay, calm down. You don't like compliments. <laughs> the, like, There's like twice a year where I'll actually wear, I'll wear something nice. Yeah. And you usually tell me, hey, yeah. hey, it looks nice. And then the other day, you had a nice dress on. Thank you. I was letting you know. I said, hey, okay. I, I really like your, your outfit today. And you like... It's like you threw daggers into my eyes. Like, don't compliment me. I didn't say that. 
I felt it. Okay. I'm letting you know how I felt. Okay. Well, I don't have time to manage your feelings right uh, now. You got enough to manage, don't you? <laughs> Between home and work. Uh-huh. Which is the hardest to manage? Work. Really? Oh, yeah. That's not good. Yeah. That's all right. Home is very difficult for That's me to manage. That's my job. It's fine. It's very difficult for me to manage. Well, I know you're bitter at me. Do I still have well, I just, tickets for October? I just want people to respect the segment. That's, that's do I, all. Do I still have tickets for October? What's in October? I forgot. You know. Is it Ingrid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Fine. I haven't formally asked for it, but you pretty much said it. You thought of me when they showed up. You know I want to go. Yeah, I know. She's my favorite. You're on my list. Okay. Got a list. Okay. Um, well, we do have a new game we're going to debut yes! next segment. And as I mentioned early in the show that um, I've tried debuting new games when I fill in before. It has not gone so well. <laughs> so I have no idea how this is going to go. I'll just blame you and Max because okay. you're going to be playing each Hi, other. Max. Hi, nice to meet you. you yeah, you have a little, bit, a little bit more of a smile and a nicer tone when you talk to Max. Well, I like Max. Yeah, you don't talk to me in common like that. Well, just something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't have that hair to put your hands through. It's good hair. Yeah. He does have good hair. I'm very jealous. Yeah. Yeah, my hair's awful. Yeah, you can have some if you want. <laughs> can you? Well, you don't. Yeah, I got some. I got some afro seeds. That, that can be like implanted. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta water them. It's like chia pet. Okay. <laughs> chia. Uh, so we have a short segment here okay. because we got to play the game. Mm-hmm. Next segment. Um, is Big O playing any sports? I know he golfs, but that's like an individual. I'm talking about like a team sport. He's doing t-ball right now. Is he doing t-ball? Yeah. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. Okay. Feels like it's been going on forever. How does T-ball go? It's all right. Let's just say he's beyond the T. Okay. <laughs> he he could go to slow pitch. He he could. He so I think he's a little bored with it. Um, skill level is high. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. He he likes it. Um, and he asks about going every week, so that's good. That's good. But you he, can just tell he he's enjoys a little, it. You can just tell he's a little bored. That's good. Yeah. Um, I'd rather have it that way. Yeah. Than the other way. Also true. Um, does your husband coach at all or help out? No. Okay. Because I'm already. So Leo's never played a a team sport of any kind, but he is going to be playing soccer this fall. And we got the email sent out. Hey, we have enough kids for six soccer teams, but we only have two coaches. Mm-hmm. We need some coaches. And uh, wife forwards the email to me, and my first thought is no. I, Not gonna work. I've got coaching experience. Yeah. Uh, different age kids. I mean, yeah. high, high school is much different than coaching you know, four, five, and six year olds. Yep. Um, I have. N- I know nothing about soccer. Okay. But my my fear is we're going to get in a situation where no one volunteers to coach. That is exactly what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, last second, I got to go. Well, somebody's got to do it. Yep. I'm going to be awful. Yep. Parents are going to watch practice and go, what the heck is this guy doing? Because I don't, I, one, I don't know how to coach soccer, and two, even at like the earliest levels, like, just we're going to practice it. dribbling, and what, am I going to have two kids like on different sides here just passing the ball back to me? I don't know what to do. So here, allow me to tell you what to do, because okay. I was going to do that anyway. Um, well, it's not like you to tell us well, okay. what we should be doing in our so lives. So actually, Sludgy and I just had this conversation about the coaching. Okay. Um. Just make sure. So one, why just, is he going to coach? No, but he's saying he's having this issue. He put his daughter in soccer, and this is what happened. And I fully agree. So, he, just make sure. First of all, just Google it. Just YouTube drills. Great. <laughs> so let's say practice probably an hour, right? Sure. Yeah. So just do the drills for the first half an hour, and then always Have make fun. sure you guys play a game at the yes. end. 
Because he was telling me that he put his daughter in soccer and they never played a single game. They got to And she fun. hated it. And Even not, I know that. Yes. And they're little crumb grubbers. You can't. I mean, it's going to be like herding cats out there. Yeah. So just teach him how to do the pullback. That's a move the I know. What? The pullback. What's the pullback? Big old See, I don't know what this is. Yep. I don't just, know the terminology. Just Google it. Google like five drills and moves and then just work on those. But just make sure that the last half of practice every time is a game. Yes. So the kids can all I, I used to do that when I coached hockey and I would run camps in the summer. Yes. With the young kids, I always made sure... Half of it was working on basics. Just do that. Make sure they do What's high the fives. Back, by the way, uh, it's like where you put your foot over the top of the ball and then you pull the ah, ball back. It's very tricky. Got it. Yeah, I, it's unbelievable. Baby V even knows the no, pullback, and she's two. Now, but I, and I don't want to get too advanced. Like at that age, should I be kicking them, uh, teaching them to kick with the side? By the way, I'm not coaching, so I, I don't know why I'm talking as if I'm <laughs> Say going that to coach. now. No, I'm not going to coach. Okay. Uh, if hockey comes up someday, then then I'll consider it. But uh, soccer, no. Um, but is it like too advanced to be teaching them to kick with the side of their foot as opposed to their toes? No, Greg, they all want to kick no, it square it. on. No, 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 no. But they're, they're not going to have as much power. But they're old enough now, like because when you, what's nice about this age is you can say something and they're going to understand what you're saying. It's not like coaching two year olds. Like but, just tell them to do it. The other problem is, is Leo would not listen to me. Well, <laughs> like I, sh- I should not coach him in anything because he wants, he never wants me to instruct him on anything. But he'll listen to the coach. He just won't listen to you. That's what I'm saying. That's why I need someone else to coach him. You can I be can't. the assistant coach. No, I don't want to do that either. You can be the water boy. No, I'm just so I would be so scared of having parents just judging me and throwing things like this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Yeah, we're terrible. Yeah. Parents yeah. are the worst. Yes. Yeah. And and I wouldn't know what I'm doing, so they would have every right to do that. Just YouTube it. Oh well, I'm not gonna coach, so we're past that. Uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna host a game. Okay. Between you and Max, and um, we're gonna have two different giveaways, which. I feel like common right now because I don't have it organized with me. I'm not going to be the baby boomer in this game, am I? We're not doing baby boomer. Okay, good. It's a completely different game. So, I mean, Max is younger than no, I mean, not that much. Let's compl- <laughs> let's calm down. <laughs> you look younger. Thank you. You look younger than uh, So call 651-995-326, 1-800-320-5326. We need four callers. They're not going to be playing, but you and Max are going to be playing for them Okay. to win prizes. This is very nice. The prizes we're going to have, a family uh, four-pack of uh, Platinum and Music X Games tickets, which is just for this Sunday, two days from now, August 4th. Uh, we're also going to have a winner win a $100 gift card to Carboni's Pizza. Plus, if you win, you'll be qualified for a chance to play a round of golf with Common and me. Oh, boy. At Legends Golf Club later this summer. Uh, details at KFAN.com, keyword contest. So let's line up the calls. Lil B and Max. I don't have a name for the game. We'll just call it the uh, Alphabet Game for now. <laughs> that is next. You're listening to Brandon Molesky on the The Fan. What's your problem? This is not my song. Oh, sorry. I forgot to tell him. Hold on, let me find it. Well, you even missed it before. He played a... um... I had told him to put Foxy Lady in, mm-hmm. and he played, like, instead of going to songs, he went to the, the Power Trips bumpers. So their version of Foxy Lady, you, like, couldn't even hear the words, really? So that was kind of a disaster, and now we just screwed this part up. We're yeah, just- you guys are throwing me off, and now I'm going to lose the game. <laughs> it's going to be all your fault. Well, I have no idea how good or bad Max will be at a game, so you might, you might be all right. Mm. Bring the action. All right, you ready for a new game, Max? You're going to play? Here's what we're going to do. 
You guys are playing against each other. Okay. I'm going to call it the alphabet game, ABC game. We're going to go in alphabetical order. I'm going to throw out a category. Okay. Let's just say the category was <clears throat> KFN personalities. Lil B, you got to start. You have to come up with a KFN personality that, with the letter A. Oh, that starts with the letter A. Give you, me a pen. You could say <laughs> Alan, right? And then he's got to go with B, Barrero. Then you got to go with C, Common. And you just go back and forth. D, Dave Sinekin. <laughs> e, Eric Nordquist, right? You keep going back and forth until, and you're going to have 10 seconds for each answer. Otherwise, that will buzz you. Okay. Uh, whoever is the first one to not get an incorrect answer will win the point. Once you win three of five, you will win a prize for one of our listeners. Oh, so okay. we have to just like, it's like Family Feud. You got to be the first one. Boom. Shout it out. No, Are you talking about no, whoever doesn't we'll, answer? We'll go oh, every okay. Other. You're taking turns. She gets A, you get B, she gets C. Once you, okay. once you go 10 seconds without getting an answer, you're out, you lose. Whoever can win three of them. Is I hate it? these. Well, yeah, there's a little more pressure. You okay. got to do it quickly. Exactly. I need a pen. Why do you need a pen? Because. If you're writing down, you're already losing. You're losing. <laughs> and then, by the way, whatever letter we end on, that'll be the starting letter for the next category. We're going to have five different categories for the first game, depending on how well the game goes or how long it goes, then we might do another one. This could bottom out. Here's what we're going to do. Let's take the uh, first two callers. Matt from Coon Rapids, do you want uh, Lil B to be your choice, or do you want Max to be your choice? Who are you backing? Little B. Oh, wow, wow. Matt. Just disrespect wow. Max. Sorry, Max, sick burn. All right, so Matt's going to go on hold, so oh, Car- I don't have a pen anymore. Here, cause... just, I've had it. What? You stole my pen. So, little B gets Matt. That means Nick from New Prey, you got Max here. My guy. Awesome. All right, so whoever, uh, if Max wins, Nick is going to get a $100 Carboni's gift card and a chance to be qualified at a round of golf with Common and me at Legends. If Lil B wins... That means Matt will win the Carbonius prize. Let's uh, fade down, scream, and shout. Category number one. I'm a ladies first guy, meaning she can go second. <laughs> I am too. That's totally so, fine. No, but so Max. Oh, 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 I, I think oh, oh. I think you're at a disadvantage if you go first. So Max, you're going to go first. That's fine. You're... I I am a black man in America. I'm used to being at a disadvantage. <laughs> well, now I feel bad. <laughs> now. I... <laughs> I, I'm either upsetting the African uh, American community or the Me Too community. I can't win. Uh, all right, Max, you're going to go first. Um, the category is countries. You need to have one that starts with the letter A. Go. Countries? Algeria. Lobi. Bulgaria. Max. Canada. Lil B. Denmark? <laughs> Max. Eritrea. A what? Oh, come on! Eritrea. It's in Africa. Go well, ahead and look we're, it up. We're go gonna, ahead. I will wait. Well, we'll go back and look at it after the question it is, is over. It is correct. Eritrea. I would have just gone to, like, England or something, but... Well, well for now, we're going to give you correct. I'm a well-traveled man. I, I don't go for the obvious answer. Lil B, you got F? F, France. G. Germany. Will be. Holland? Nice. Is that actually a. That, I, I think that might be like a slang word for a country, but we're going to give it to you. L. Uh, Max, go ahead. Iceland. Max has got game. J. Jamaica. 
Kazakhstan. <laughs> nice. Well done. <laughs> He's unbelievable. Uh, L. Uh-oh. I don't know. I don't think I got it, guys. I hate these games. Oh, Max gets the first point. Ballin. Uh, Latvia, Lithuania. Libya, Liberia. Liberia. Uh, all right. well, I don't need you guys to humble break. Let's <laughs> move on. Uh, Max is up one nothing since Lil B had that one. Max, you're going to start with the next one. What's after L? M. Max, you got M. Your category: bands or artists. Uh, match. What is it? Matchbox Twenty. Lil B, you got N. Nirvana. So artists in general. Artists or bands? Old Dirty Bastard. Yes. I like that one. <laughs> hey, dirty. Baby, I got your money. Elemental P. Pink. Oh, Max got stuck with Q. Q? Queen. Oh, That's nice. Easy. We'll be with R. Uh-oh. I don't know. I hate these games so much. Oh, no. Max and Nick are up 2 nothing. Our Ario Speedwagon. Ah. Uh, Who else? Um, Ray J. Rembrandt. Okay. Ray J. <laughs> Max, you're reaching. The obscurity of the artist you're is reaching. not a part of if, it. If you're more popular for a sex tape, I don't know if we can call you an artist. Yeah. Hey, he's a visual artist. Ario Speedwagon. Visual artist. Yeah. I, yeah. Damn it. I wasn't watching him, though. Yeah. My apologies to the caller. Who do I have? Uh, you've got Matt. Okay. Matt, you messed so up, you man. Need, you need to roll off three in a row here. If if uh, Max gets one more, he gets the win. I could be like the Warriors, though. I could blow the lead. Uh, Lil B, you had the last one, so what letter did we on it? Uh, R? I ended on R. Uh, let's go to S, then. S, uh, your category, Max, foods. S? What? <laughs> Why am I blank? Strawberries! T. Turnips. Sounds disgusting. <laughs> you. You. Undercooked vegetables. No. <laughs> no. Incorrect. Yeah. I don't know. No. Okay, that one is hard. Not giving you that one. That hard. one was hard. Lil B, you're still this thing. Thank God. Lil B's making the comeback. Lil B's got one. Max has two. Uh, we move on to the next category. Uh, Lil B, you're going to do this one. What do we have on U? So we got to start on V. V. Oh god! And then you got X two two letters later, and then you got oh, Z two guys, letters later. This is this, this is tough. This is intense. Uh, <laughs> Lil B, you've got V. The category is actors, actresses. Go. Viggo Mortensen. I'm gonna assume you're correct. I don't know. I am. <laughs> oh, so X? No, no you have W. W. Wesley Snipes. X. There isn't one. Six seconds. There, D- DMX. <laughs> no, there isn't one. Oh, no. Lil B has lost. Max is the winner. Congratulations to uh, Nick from New Prague. You got a $100 gift card to Carboni's Pizza. You're also going to be qualified to play a round of golf with Common and me at Legends Golf Club later this summer. Uh, wait about five, six minutes for uh, Max to get your information, okay? You owe me a slice, awesome. Nick. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Give, give Max, you the best. Thanks, Matt. All right, hold on. Matt, you're a loser. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Matt, I'm sorry. 
Well, I, I guess we technically have to go back and make sure Max got the geography question right. Uh, uh, no, please, uh, please is, look uh, it up. is correct. We had someone tweet it to me, so that is correct. Okay. So you're going to trust a random it's a small, Twitter person it's, over me. Wow. Oh, he sent a screenshot of the... Okay. It's borders uh, Sudan. Well, I know that. My my son has geography geography puzzles of every continent and has done every country in Africa, and I've never seen Eritrea on there. You weren't paying attention. Uh, Matt, you're a loser. Sorry. <laughs> That's not nice. You're a really big loser. Okay. Stop. <laughs> All right, we have time for another game if you want to play uh, again. Does it have to be this one? Oh, we got new categories, yeah. Oh, God, we have new categories? Well, then let's do it. Kevin and Chaska, <laughs> who are you going to pick, Max or Lil B? <laughs> I'm going to go with the smoke show from Glenn. Wow. Wow. Okay. People doubted me. All right. I'm like like Kobe. I'm going to remember this. Trevor, you've got Max. All right. All right. Let's go, Trevor. You guys are. All right. You guys, though, are playing. (laughs) Jeez, Trevor, I'm not going to answer wrong just for that. Let's see some enthusiasm, (laughs) Trevor. You should be thrilled about that. Uh, these these two are playing for a family four pack of Platinum and Music X Games tickets this Sunday, August 4th. Time for the alphabet game. Max, you're the uh, defending champion, so we will begin with you. What letter are we on? We're on X, so we're going to start with Y. How about, I'm going to make a new rule. We're going to skip X from here on out. Yeah, okay. X is terrible. Q, I think we can still get some stuff on. So we're, we're going we're gonna to skip X. Max, you start on letter Y. Animals, go. An animal that starts with a Y. What? I honestly, I lose... I, I cannot think of one. Low B with the with the point. Yak. Yak. Or, 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 is that, or is that just a Dr. Seuss term? Is that a real no, animal? A yak is an actual animal. Is that what okay. it's really called, though? Yes, Max. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Okay, hold on. If, if we no, hold up. That rule. What about why for that one? Can no. we just throw that why, one out? Why is it, why is it, no, we cannot. It's like a sixth <sighs> vowel. Okay, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Uh, that means Low B. You are going to start though with Z. Ugh. Your question or your top your category movie titles go Zootopia yes oh hold on restart it there you go Max another forty eight hours now. you're at A yeah another forty eight hours B for B B movie he's rolling with the kids movies <laughs> C Daddy Shag D Devil Wears Prada. Max E. Uh, End of the Earth. I don't know. It sounds like a movie. We'll go with that for now. Will be F. Mm. Friends with Benefits. Yes. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah. Speaking of smoke shows. Go. Uh, G, Max. Goodfellas. One of the best movies ever. H. Hellboy. I'll just assume you're right. I don't know. Uh, I, Max. Inception. Hold on. J. Jurassic Park. K. 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 Kangaroo Jack. Sure, we'll go with it. Kangaroo Jack is a kids movie. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just. It's a classic kids movie. You're saying someone on Twitter could say you're wrong. Uh, L. Oh no, Max at the point. We're at one one now. 
Max, you're going to start on the next category. Category. How about we'll just do this as the last category because I don't know if we have time to do three more. If we okay. ever, if we oh, go shoot. Those, uh, sudden so, death. I'm going to skip that one. We'll skip that dun, one. That dun. doesn't. That's against Lil B. I think Max would kill Lil B in that category. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, okay. Well, we can go back to what that one. are we on? M? L. I M, ended M. on L. You had an L. Mm-hmm. All right, Max, let's do uh, colleges, universities. Let's start with M. Go. <laughs> Morehouse. Morehouse? It's a, it's a, well, I shouldn't say because we might come back to M. Okay. N. Nebraska. Oh. Oregon. Are we just going to name states? Uh, they don't all have one. P. Princeton. Q. Queensbury University in England. <laughs> Queensbury. It's a place in England. It probably has a university. R. I don't know. Max is our winner for the second consecutive game at uh, Rhode Island. Rutgers. Basically, you can just go with all the states. Oh, state. Rutgers. You can do all the states to Met. begin with. Uh, let's see. Max had Trevor. Trevor, congratulations. You're a big winner. You get the uh, family four-pack of Platinum and Music X Man, Games tickets Sunday. Where's the enthusiasm? <laughs> Trevor, say, I don't, say thank you, Max. I don't know if you deserve this. I'm going to take the prize from you. Okay. All right, he seems kidding. really excited. <laughs> and then uh, Kevin from Chaska, you're a big loser. Sorry, bud. Kevin, I'm sorry. You had the choice. That's your own fault. You had the choice. Wasn't Kangaroo Jack the fake movie that Ben Stiller did in Tropic Thunder? No, Kangaroo Jack is a children's movie featuring an Australian kangaroo that also has Anthony Anderson. That's, Thanks, Siskel and Ebert. Uh, My God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel bad if we end up finding out that he was wrong in one of these answers. I'm, I'm not, I am actually and not wrong. Been disqualified. I will, I yeah, will say I, here. Because we're already giving away the gift. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> sorry, okay. sorry, Kev. Coming back uh, next week? Yeah, I know you're okay. going to be bitter because you lost both games. <laughs> you don't like it when you lose. That's okay. <laughs> I really do. You're a little meat sauce to you. Yeah, I kind of do. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Appreciate guys. It. Thanks to Max as well. Mark Rosen in for the next hour right here on The Fan. Hard because you know I'm not gonna take a lot on him. I'm not. You know, I know he's not gonna take a lot on me. You know, but we go in these games, and um, when it's part of week one or any game, preseason or regular season, they're not gonna take a lot on us. So we just take it as you know. Xavier Rhodes talking about his uh, one-on-one matchups with Stefan Diggs in Vikings training camp in Egan. And uh, Mark Rosen with me now. And Mark, uh, we're one week away from our first <laughs> Minnesota Vikings preseason yeah, game. Take a deep breath. Um, I, I just took a deep breath because I try not to uh, get too wrapped up in this stuff. I mean, I th- it, we know... It's important in particular for guys who are vying for jobs and trying to impress the coaching staff. Uh, I think they're, they're to excess. We know that. I mean, you get caught up and you want to watch it. I understand from the fan base. At, you know, this, usually the, uh, the third game is the one. It's kind of the dress rehearsal for the regular season that you want to pay attention mm-hmm. to. But, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch one second. I forgot there was even a game last night. I don't like why. I wouldn't watch a, a game between two teams that, 
you know, just uh, going through the motions, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, look, it's here. It just it signals where where we are in the calendar. The calendar just slipped to August, and you know, preseason football's here. There's fortunately four of them. Um, like any other team, the Vikings want to take a good look at their players, but more importantly, keep their front line guys in particular, all the team, all the guys healthy. Uh, that that's the the best sign when you see the starters on the sidelines wearing baseball caps and they're taking the shoulder pads off and the rest of it. And then you have some fun. I mean, I, I, I'm not suggesting that there aren't some interesting battles to watch. I think from the Viking fans and seeing how their their backup receivers are going to do. Well, I was just going to say, I don't know uh, if there are many interesting. Like going into preseason game one, number one, I don't know if there's a lot, a whole lot of interesting stuff. No, like most of the I, roster and their starters are set. We've already had a year of Kirk Cousins, so it's not like we have that new shiny toy, right? I mean, it's, well, something that uh, I heard uh, PA talking to Spielman this morning uh, at TCO, and, and you know, and, and that's sort of the general consensus. When my time out there at uh, TCO is that, you know, I, I heard you know Zimmer kind of trying to tweak his defense a little bit, saying we're not seeing the passion, we're not seeing this, and in the same breath he's going, well, this is like the sixth year they're in the system. It, it's hard to get veterans fired up, sure, uh, to to be uh, locked into a practice that you know monotony of a football practice. Uh, you know, compared to you know spring training, or you know, Jason Zucker was here the other day, and we were laughing about it, going, and he likes it that way. The Wild will have two days of training camp, and they'll play a game like two days later, right? I mean, they. they I always to, find that really weird. It's yeah. just odd, but uh, football's a little different animal, and I think the repetition they have, and I think from a fan standpoint, it's not a bad thing to have a quote unquote boring training camp right now. I mean, I, I, there's there are some battles to be had. But it's it's good that this team, especially offensively, when normally the defense is ahead of the offense right now, but the offense, by all accounts, according to Zimmer, has been much sharper, um, uh, kind of ready to go. They they think they feel like they're hearing what Rudolph's had to say and Cousins has had to say and Thielen and Diggs, you know, the line still has to gel. But they're 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 doing things offensively that with Kubiak now and and uh, Stefanski feeling more comfortable that you know whether how it's going to show up to, it's on September was it eighth or ninth whatever the first game is. We won't know until that day, but uh, I, I think that it, it's it's okay to have a boring training camp right now. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, that is no drama, big drama, and sure. that's the what's the way you want to keep it as long as possible, <laughs> in, in, uh, especially with the history of the Vikings and what's going on with that franchise over the years. In terms of uh, training camp battles, I mean, for most of the starting positions, I don't see any battles. I I guess we maybe thought at one point this off season that maybe Klein isn't necessarily set at right guard, but I haven't heard anything that, no. would, that would change for that. So you mentioned the receiver position. I am like 95% convinced that Chad Beebe is the number three wide yeah, receiver. It sure sounds that way. Um, so it's just a matter of who's fourth and fifth. And I guess, you know, we've, we've wondered about Laquan Treadwell's roster spot. Mm-hmm. And when you have, if let's say Chad Beebe is the number three spot, then I think Treadwell does get a little dicey for a roster spot in terms of he's not going to be doing special team stuff for you. That's, and when you, you when you start, hit the nail on the when head. When you start getting into fourth, fifth wide receivers, you need that. Yeah, you do, and that that that's a that's a deciding factor when you're looking for guys to play special teams, and BB can do that. And um, I know Cousins. I mean, he's been turning heads out there, and he's he's got another year under his belt and driving the first team defense crazy. Uh, you know, he's got you know got the lineage with his dad having played in the NFL and uh, an, an understanding of what. It's expected of him, and, and I think he's going to get again. He'll get a lot of play. Excuse me in the in the preseason. So those are you know those, he will those, get a lot of play. You think BB? Oh, I think you're talking about cousins. No, 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 no. BB BB will yeah, get yeah. a lot of play. Yeah, well, yeah. Cousins will play a series or two they'll, next week. Play and, one series first week. Yeah, that's all you should play him. And Dalvin Cook. I mean, I I hope that. We, I mean, again, the, the the running back. We want to see Irv Smith a little bit. 
But the I guess I guess preseason, technically backup quarterback position is something you're. Yeah, I mean, for. something Mannion has that you know. Again, it's that's what, you'll see most of those guys. Will Kyle Slaughter have an opportunity to show his wares? And, and 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 again, you're not playing with the ones. You're playing with a lot of guys who aren't going to make the football team. Mm-hmm. And there are guys that are under the radar right now, and you know, and 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 they seem to practice every day, and so they're battles to be won. But I, again, it's. Ask yourself this: Do you ever recall really any significant game or real big moment from a preseason game that sticks with you once the regular season? Well, yeah, begins? Daniel Carson missing a kick last year, yeah. and well, and Zimmer. That was about Zimmer it. Saying, yeah, let's yeah. go for two now. That's, that, that was. I the remember negative. that. Yeah, I remember that. I uh, remember Teddy Bridgewater being brilliant, like the week before he got his injury. Yeah, he had a really good preseason was before that, he got. Was that the San Diego game? I think it may have been. I think they played for some reason. I see San Diego, but he had, he had an impressive run. He played real well and, and looked like Teddy was ready to take that next step. And then we're, we were all at the State Fair. Remember, I mean, yep. I think we got word you were running the, you know, the booth out there. And with yeah, we Carmen were all and, three of us around together. And yeah. you, I think we got word that someone tweeted out that there's this, wait, and we were going, wait, this can't be. They don't hit quarterbacks ever, and they yeah. certainly don't hit them at practice. And all of a sudden we hear about ambulances showing up. Catastrophic. Like, what injury, the yeah. hell happened out there? And, you know, we're in the dark. We're sitting at the state fair, and then we hear all these reports and how bad it was. And you just, and I'm surprised no video was ever released, like somehow leaked out about No, that. I know it. Because you think uh, someone had video cameras. Well, the Vikings right? did. That's what I'm uh, saying. The Vikings had video. Uh, they they film all the tape, all the practices, and sure, it's there, but it's like one of those things. I don't know. Do you really want to see it? I mean, I don't want to see it, but I No, just, no, it never was released. And I think the only ones, because I don't think the media uh, at that particular point was allowed to be taping at yes. practice. They usually have 20 minutes. When, when you're at that point of the season, like right now, uh, practices for the most part are all open, I mean, in, in terms of videotaping the whole thing. Um, once you get down to where we were, state fair time, getting ready, it, they shut her down pretty much after 20, 30 minutes as far as getting into 7-7 seven and seven drills or whatever yep. it might be. So that was at Winter Park, of course, um, where that happened. So, um, as for guys that uh, I guess we could, I, I'm curious to see, Obviously, anytime the rookies, you know, I don't, I don't watch a whole lot of college football, so no. this is gonna be my first time ever seeing Alexander Madison take yeah. a handoff. Yeah, first time seeing Irv Smith, right? Um, you know, Garrett Bradbury, obviously, hopefully, is supposed to be the biggest impact, but I don't know how much you can garner from a center position in a preseason game against. And he won't play that much. Second either. tier guys, and yeah. no, I mean, you got a few other defensive guys. You don't think he'll play as much, even though he's a rookie? Well, he might. I mean, they want to give him some reps. Are you talking about Bradbury? Yes. Yeah, he'll yeah. play, but I, again, I think we'll see him. From game one to game two, uh, plays more significantly here when they're they're home. Game two, right? I and mean, they want to showcase a little bit more. Yeah, home week two and three. Yeah, they want to play a little bit more. It's week... Nice for us. Yeah, nice it for is. Our fans. It actually is because week four is a complete waste of time. Um, yeah, it really is for everybody. They just want to have. They should just have running time. I mean, week one's pretty much a waste of time. Well, it, it kind of is. I'm trying to get to my schedule, but yeah, yeah, you've got uh, at New Orleans and they play uh, with Seattle here the 18th Sunday. And then they play Arizona on the 24th. But the 24th is the game. That's the third preseason game. So that's the one you look at and go, all right, probably see the first-team offense for a half normally, um, the first-teamers. That's the game that has the most significance. Because then you, you, you pull out uh, where they play at Buffalo on the 29th, and that'll be like, <laughs> just get this over with and get ready for Atlanta on the 8th of September. Just received a uh, tweet from uh, Eric Tebow, former KFAN intern. He interned under uh, ah. under me uh, from the Comedy uh-huh. Program. And uh, I think an interesting question, he says, do you think the Twins have taken some steam away from the Vikings? And I, I guess 
I think they could. They've definitely garnered more attention. I would also say maybe just the fact that you're not in Mankato anymore, I think, loses a little bit of luster from training camp. The fact that you're in Egan. And oh, you're talking right now. Yes. And, yeah, just, well, there doesn't seem to be as much interest in Minnesota Vikings training camp than there hasn't been in the past. And I would, I'd say there's multiple reasons. One, the team is basically the same. There's not nothing flashy that's different than the past. Um, two, I do think you lose a little bit of the nostalgia of training camp not being in Mankato. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And then that. I would say, yes, Twins... We're paying more attention to them than we ever have. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've drawn pretty big crowds out there at TCO. I mean, I've been out there a couple of times, and they've had really good turnouts. It's not like people aren't showing up, and they have a pretty organized autograph session with different positions, you know, day by day. And uh, But I think it's more about the storylines. There's not um, there's not a, a headline type of thing. Again, that's not a bad thing for this football team. But the Twins thing, yeah, from, a, from an interest standpoint, yeah, fortunately we have a, a good baseball team to talk about. And... I think more importantly, it'll be interesting not right now or during the preseason, but you know the Twins in the thick of things in September. That's when it really gets interesting, and that's when it gets really gets interesting for the Vikings, given the fact they play once a week. We know that uh, the Twins will be this daily drama. Um, you hope that maybe by you know, second week of September they'll take some of the drama out of it, but probably not likely. Uh, so I mean, it's it, I, I think I think they can coexist and have. For once, have a, a sports town uh, be pretty fired up about both teams. It's incumbent for the Vikings to get off to a good start, uh, and the Twins thing will be uh, intensifying as we get through the month of September. Can they, you know, lock down the Central Division and, and you start projecting potentially, you know, playoff opponents and the rest of that? But uh, what a nice, refreshing change of pace to have that. And then, you know, and then I'm anxious. We'll we'll get into it because I, I'm. Fortunately, didn't get a hear, chance to hear Russo's discussion, but you know the Wild Star training camp, I think like September 12th. Again, that'll be in the back burner. Um, but at the same time, it'll be making news. They got a new GM coming in, and what's the roster going to be like? The Wolves are not far behind. Go for football. Um, you know that starts State Fair week. Uh, I was bring that up today. Yeah, yeah PJ Fleck, and and uh, I mean high aspirations. I don't want to say low expectations, but. High aspirations for a team, which could go any number of ways with their their schedule and what looks like a, a pretty formidable offense in particular, with the running game and with Tyler Johnson at wide receiver. Just you know, they got some weapons that they haven't had in a long time. So yeah, I mean it, it's it's a good thing, uh, and it's I think the interest level will um, hopefully be spread around that we we're actually going to have you know, significant you know, sports stories to talk about in the month of September and hopefully into October. In the last decade, this Vikings is all we have to talk about at this yeah, point. By this year, time, so. it's been pretty much it. Uh, yeah. I, all those topics I do want to get to yeah. eventually in the next few segments, but we have a couple minutes here, so I thought I'd bring up. You mentioned the preseason game last night, and um, the only reason I care uh, one iota mm-hmm. about it is because they unveiled a new rule last night that I was not a fan of when they decided to go with it. And it's obviously mm-hmm. um, a reaction to the New Orleans Saints, uh, L.A. Rams sure. pass interference. But they did have a uh, challenge flag thrown on a pass oh, interference penalty. Uh-huh. How'd that go? Well, see, I, I understand why the rule was instituted because it was they, they wanted the obvious pass interferences called. They want the correct call whether it should be or shouldn't be, right? But last night, it's they throws the flag, and then you know, coach throws then throws the challenge flag because they had called it a pass interference. And the replay is it's a little bit of hand grabbing and a little bit of getting in the lane. It wasn't an overly obvious pass interference, but I, if I looked at it, I would say it was pass interference. And they they confirmed it and they withheld it. And it's like mm-hmm. to me, there's going to be so much gray area oh because 
Right, right. It, it's the old it's the old you can call holding on every play. And it's the same thing with pass interference. Like there's always a little bit of bumping and a little bit of grabbing and how do you determine via replay what Well, this is I understand when I say this, this isn't um, uh, equating the two, but this is when uh, there's an unfortunate accident at a train crossing, and and the people have been uh, barking about it forever, but it took that accident to get people to put up, you know, lights, flashing lights, or whatever, a street corner that people talk about all the time. There's been a bunch of accidents, hopefully not serious accidents, but enough accidents that people at the city goes, hey, we better do something about it. Well, it took that call, that egregious mistake that they made, in the NFC Championship game last year to change the rule. And I'm going, really? And I'm going, we, we all agree. It was horrible. You can't overturn it. Yeah. It was terrible. But there's been a lot of bad calls. You could go back and other people go, well, New Orleans did this, and New Orleans did that, and they still didn't deserve to win the game. Do you really want to change the rule and create this? And I, I am, I'm with you. I, I, I don't know. Zimmer's talking about throwing it. Challenge flag. How many times can they do it? Is it still like three Obviously and a half? It's just like a normal challenge. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's like, really, and how subjective is this going to be when you're looking at it? You just described it perfectly. Like, How many plays are we going to see like that when the referee the, the, the uh, calls a, a, a pass interference penalty, and you're looking at it, and the report, the uh, announcers are trying to break it down, like you know, breaking down Zap Ruder film, and you're going, well, he's got his right hand underneath his chest here, and if he hasn't turned his head at a 45-degree angle, and it looks like... Pass interference to me, uh, go either way on it. So I, and then they're looking at it in the booth going, I can kind of go either way, but the call on the field will probably stand because that's until we see conclusive evidence. Otherwise, how many plays are we going to see like that that we saw last year? Uh, there are, there's a handful in the court, but the, the spotlight was on because it was a championship game. That had been the second week of the regular season, you know, between Cincinnati and Tampa Bay. No one would have given a rip if, other than people that were involved in that play, but it would have changed the rule. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know I I hope it doesn't become this I mean it's a head scratcher already looking at all these replays and I get it I think a lot of it is good for the game but this in particular I think they're opening up a can of worms here but. Uh, open phone line six five one nine eight nine five three two six one eight hundred three two zero five three two six can also email the Brad Sean Bright inbox booth at kfn dot com I still want to talk twins go for football go for basketball and next I want to talk about uh, Michael Russo's comments with me about an hour ago. Basically revealing a good, a lot about what has happened the last year under Paul Fenton of the Minnesota Wild. You're listening to the fan. Fan. Ten and B with Mark Rosen. We'll get to some calls in a second. I did want to talk about Michael Russo mm-hmm. on these airwaves an hour ago. Should have a story out soon on The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. Basically an expose of everything that's gone on wrong behind oh the scenes, scenes in the last year uh, with uh, the fi- that led to the firing of Paul Fenton. And uh, I don't have the story in front of me, so I'm not going to be able to give you quotes okay. or exact lines, but I do kind of have uh, like a Cliff's Notes version. Mm-hmm. That I'd like to uh, go with you and sure, he, he like to hear more. about it. If anyone, anyone wants to listen back to the podcast, it'll be posted at three o'clock yeah. after the show. A uh, couple things: the you know everyone's ripped the Victor Rask Nino Nino Rider mm-hmm. trade. Mm-hmm. Apparently, leading up to that, there were many people within the front office that were telling him not to do that trade, not, and the uh, GM for the Carolina Hurricanes, Don Waddell, had sent scouts to watch Nino for about ten games leading up to that trade. Had done video on him. Sure. 
no one for the Minnesota Wild, not one scout, watched Victor Rask play. Oh, boy. Leading up to the trade, and not to mention they didn't watch any video on him. How is, how is that possible? Well, I That's guess, insanity. That that feeds into the narrative when, when Michael Russo was on with us. Again, he was on with us the morning after on the power trip, and, and he talked about beyond the Fenton firing was that there's some there's some gaping holes in within the organization right now. And this is Russo. He knows intimately a lot more than most of us know about any stuff going on over there. When you talk about the analytics department, mm-hmm. advanced scouting, all those sorts of things. So that, that does feed into exactly that. I mean, that seems, given what we just heard, what we went through with the trading deadline, with, the, with Major League Baseball and the Twins and prospects and how scouts were out all over the place, not just in the major leagues, but double A, single A, triple A, whatever it might be, and before you finally make a decision, and still were, you know, there were certainly significant trades made, but I don't understand how that could possibly happen. No idea. It doesn't make any sense at all, especially in this day and age. We have so much available, and you have just to eyeball the guy mm-hmm. for a week and a half, a week. Well, yeah, you should at least watch him video. Why is this guy? Why is this know. guy available? I, 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 oh, that's disturbing. Um, some other things. Uh, Fenton during th- three weeks during March. So March is a pretty important time of the year, right? You're still trying to make the playoffs at that point. Fenton went home, went to his home in Florida for three weeks at a time in March, in the middle of the hockey season. Three, no, three weeks. I mean, not three, three weeks, weeks. At a time. No, he was there for three okay, weeks. Okay, gotcha. Three consecutive weeks. He in was at his home March. in Florida during the season oh as he's the GM for the Minnesota Wild. And apparently he has spent the majority of this offseason either in Florida or Cape Cod, including... He left Minnesota on July 2nd. Free agency began on July 1st. He already had a flight booked for July 2nd, which, and as Michael mentioned, like, you know, it's 2019, you can do work. Sure. You don't have to be in Minnesota, but it's just a, it's a bad look when you're in, you're in, other than the owner, you're in charge of everything within the organization, and you're not even around during a pretty important time. Yeah, I, again, how much of this, I mean, if Craig Leopold's going, wow, did I misjudge you? I, I thought I knew this guy. Uh, and he did know him and does know him. Uh, the vetting process to me, getting back to Leopold's interview with Fenton when, before he hired him, I, he's going through it again right now with perspective of the GMs. I hope he learned a whole lot. because He knew this guy. He knew him very well. But the questions you have to ask are different than you ask of someone who is applying for a different job. This is the ultimate. So I, 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 we're, would you be able to flush all of that out? Probably not, but he certainly could have gleaned a lot more than he than he did. I mean, this does fall. He has to fall on the sword, and he did, but he has to fall on the sword hard for this hire. I gathered a little bit of this in the uh, Paul Fenton season-ending uh, news conference because he he kind of went after the media out of nowhere and explained no. to him about uh, about uh, why he doesn't want re- injuries revealed to the media. But apparently, Russo had about three or four instances <laughs> of times in which. Basically, he's patting himself on the back because he was the one breaking news sure. regarding injuries. And Fenton Fenton kept getting upset with that, with people in the organization, whether it was the front office, or whether it was players, it. coaches, for leaking injury stuff to uh, Russo. And yeah. to the point where he had he had everyone in the organization on pins and needles because they all felt like they were being threatened with their job. Yeah, sure they were. They probably were. <laughs> over, or suspension over, or whatever. Over injury leaks, and yeah. in, in, including injuries that... You already knew they were out for the year, so who right. cared? Like, well, we're not getting, like, Miko Koi was not getting targeted because he's not playing anymore this right. season. And Dumba, you know, yeah, I get it. Um, there, uh, so that that kind of feeds into, the again, the, being a, the paranoia um, and the inability for, for a man knowing how to manage an organization for the first time. 
Uh, also, some some couple things I didn't even mention with Russo because he just ran out of time. Um, I knew there was there was tension between Fenton and Boudreaux, but uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, you know he he replaced Boudreaux's best friend John Anderson for Dean Evason and put in put in his own guy as assistant coach. And those two did not get along, including Fenton uh, forced roster decisions on Boudreaux quite often. But also that uh, you'll find in the Russo story that. Uh, Fenton sought permission to fire Boudreaux multiple times, and Leopold wouldn't give it. That doesn't, doesn't surprise, surprise me. No, no. I, I think we all felt that was probably coming. And even I thought it was coming potentially even after the, the season ended. Yes, you don't make the playoffs, and, and as, as experienced as Bruce Boudreaux is, that you're the head coach. We know how that we know how that song and dance goes, and you're you're out. Uh, I getting back to the Rask the Nino thing. I just. Oh, and by the way, even the Rask thing Russo yeah. mentions in the story. Eric Stahl was Victor Rask's teammate for two years. Yeah. And Fenton never went to Eric Stahl and said, hey, what do you think? What can you tell me about this guy? Which is pretty standard for a GM, right? Well, why would he have fallen in love with him? I mean, Nino's didn't have. Well, you didn't, didn't watch a, him. <laughs> well, I know, but. I saw his stats from a couple years ago. Name. It's just, yeah, it's just, you know. And the Gramlin trade. I mean, I, and that's mentioned in the story as well about how basically the Nashville GM just fleeced him. Played him over like a month. Yeah. yeah. And, and Russo was explaining it as if. The Built up his National guy. GM Poyle just comes in. I really don't want to trade Fiala. He's going to be a right, star in this right, league. It right. just, and he knew he had Fenton. Yeah. And, and, and Russo even mentioned with that that Fenton was willing to take money in return to get to, be, uh, you know, to, get, to pay off salary, pay part of Granlin's salary. And basically, Russo was just explaining how it, like, it's not possible in the CBA. And like, a GM should know what's in well, again, the CBA and what's I, not in the CBA. I, I'm sorry. Again, his shortcomings are obvious, but when Leopold was going through this, and he said even in his post-firing uh, news conference that he was really good at scouting. Well, apparently he wasn't that good if he tried to need a writer for for uh, Victor Rask. But all these other things about those those questions should have been asked in depth and in 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 great detail. How would you handle this situation when we have a prospective trade coming up? Okay, how are you going to handle it from a standpoint of of information. You're going to speak to the players who are familiar with, with someone. Are you going to talk to the scouting reports? How much are you going to rely on videotape? All those questions need to be asked in the vetting process before you hire someone taking over this kind of position. That's what makes, that's what separates the really good GMs from the ones that end up getting fired after a year. Yeah, I mean, clearly... Uh, that's, and yeah, that shows clear, maybe clearly, Leopold's... Yeah, the owner didn't do his due diligence to this one. I mean, they went yeah, from, they only he, had three GMs, right, the Wild? Yeah. But, you know, you do have to, you know, I know it's hard to give credit to the owner in this situation because he's the one who hired a guy who basically has ruined well, the franchise. I, but I'll get, at least give him credit that he saw the mistake and said, it's ending now. He didn't, yeah, he didn't I, keep going with it. I, I can't give him that much credit. I just, I find his, and I like Craig, I just I just find the process kind of baffling how he, how he got sucked into a, probably a friendship more than sure. um, looking at it with a different, uh, different lens. Let's go. Interesting. Uh, let's take some phone calls. Let's go to Scott Minnetonka. Hi, Scott. I just wanted to check in on Rosie. How's your vacation from Common going this? Week, oh, man? it's been. <laughs> my, you know what? I had to go to uh, the doctor the other day. And I'm not making this up to get some blood work done, and they said my blood pressure was way down. And <laughs> I, I said, "Well, I <laughs> I can cite one reason, especially yeah. having uh, survived the uh, the trading deadline, and not uh, other than Common calling in yesterday." Escaping the wrath of common, uh, but I, I expect my my pills will be increased next week when he returns, and uh, thus will 
the battle will begin anew. But I'm, it's been it's been relaxing. Yes, thank you for asking. Oh yeah, that's great. Well, I'm a big fan. I listen every day at two o'clock. Can't wait for you to be on. Oh, oh. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Keep listening. Um, I just wanted to bring the conversation back quickly because I know you're kind sure. of the wild right now to the pass interference yeah. penalty. Yeah. And I just had a couple of things to bring up about that. One is going to be I don't know how confusing this is going to be for people when the catch rule was initiated and they had all this confusion about what a catch is. I don't think it's going to go that deep, but Mm -hmm. I do think there's going to make it more of a spotlight on it. And the other thing that I think is a big problem with the rule is the original reason why we were all meant to believe this was going to be changed is because there wasn't a flag thrown. (laughs) So that doesn't get after the problem that kind of forced this whole issue in the first place. So, all right, thanks, Scott. Appreciate your call. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, get ready to go to the refrigerator if you're at home. It, there's gonna be a lot of that going on as you know, as the uh, referees look at look under go under the hood. We hear that all the time. They're gonna put a clock on them. The they got to make a decision. You know, within Just more delays, more uh, to stop. Stop. There's so much stoppages more. anyway. That's what uh, in, in the game of, of the I'm national. I'm sure they'll football find a way league. to sponsor it. It it probably will be. Yeah. Yeah, I would think it would be. Uh, Kyle in Minneapolis, Connor in Minneapolis, Ryan from Fire Lake. We'll take your calls next. I, I want to talk twins, go for football, go for basketball, all with Rosie in the final segment next. It's Tennessee filling in for Common on the fan. Register to win a gift card to Union 32 Craft House. Just a mile away from training camp, they offer complimentary shuttle to and from practice each day. Stop by Union 32 before, between, and after training camp to enjoy their great food and local Minnesota craft beer. KFAN.com keyword contest. He's obviously, uh, you know, I said a guy that we're going to lean on. He's a guy that's pitched in, you know, huge situations and then... Um, getting the job done for many, many years, and uh, again, we're going to go to him again next time. I think we're going to see a lot more outings from him. We're going to see a lot more, uh, you know, quality outings late in the game. Rocco Baldelli, manager of the Minnesota Twins, talking about Sam Dyson, who made his Twins debut yesterday. <laughs> Did not go so well. Uh, didn't even record out as he uh, blows a 4-1 lead in the ninth inning, and the uh, Twins end up losing tw- uh, in 12 innings, 5-4 yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon in Miami, and um there's kind of multiple things that I found odd about yesterday's game that we were on the air at the time, so you don't really watch the meltdown. Yeah, uh, you don't really fully get a gist of what's going on. But one, I didn't realize till today that uh, Sam Dyson arrived in the third inning of the game. I know. Uh, so he had gone on a flight. It's bizarre. Shows up in the third inning. So one, the fact that you're putting this guy in there who hasn't even like met his teammates didn't didn't get like a normal routine before a game. I find that odd. And then the second part of that is, you know, if if Sean Poppin the day before doesn't give up that grand slam in the ninth inning and force Taylor Rogers to pitch, Rogers probably pitches yesterday in the ninth because half the reason they didn't throw him out there initially because they didn't want to go three days in a row with them. They ended up having to do it, but there's kind of multiple things that all led to just kind of disaster. Yeah, and the beauty of baseball is second guessing, and that's uh, on a day to day drama. And I know that Baldelli took uh, some heat from the fans wondering the same thing. I think it's it's a legitimate question. I was surprised we were sitting in here yesterday. I went. And I knew Dyson had just flown in there. I didn't know what time he got to the ballpark, but you know, I hadn't even met with the catchers yet. I haven't met with Castro. I didn't even go over signals. It just seemed odd. And I don't think he, he was the last one to use it as an excuse. He didn't. And he took, a, you know, he took responsibility. He didn't pitch well. He didn't, but he had nothing. Uh, honestly, I thought, again, uh, forgetting Dyson and what he's 
hopefully do for the Twins down the road. I thought that was a great spot for Trevor May. Four to one lead uh, over over a Miami team that's probably ready to go home. May's confidence has been shaken lately uh, in in tough situations against the Yankees. And the, why not put Trevor May out there uh, and let him get some confidence back? Let him pitch that ninth inning. And, and, or destroy his confidence if he well, or or maybe, but <laughs> yeah. you know what? At some point, he's going to pitch. He's not, they're not cutting him or releasing him or sending him down. And I thought again, I, 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 I'm not getting inside the mind of Rocco Baldelli. I just thought that was an opportunity. If he if he gets himself to a one two three inning or maybe gives up a hit or whatever it is, throw the ball 95, 96, and let's let's go home. Get on a plane and go home. And I thought that would have been a good moment for Trevor Me. And I don't and again. I I wasn't there to ask Rocco Baldelli that question. Uh, he decided to go with uh, Dyson in uh, difficult circumstances, and, and uh, he didn't pitch well. It was an understatement of the year. And, and now he's got to come back. Now he has to come back, I'm sure, feeling it like he let his new teammates down, haven't even met him yet, probably. And now he's flying back to you know here to play Kansas City this weekend. And we'll definitely get the ball again, if not tonight, tomorrow, or sometime over this weekend. Uh, fortunately, uh, Cleveland lost as well last yeah. night. They lose 7-1 to Houston, so the Twins keep that three-game lead. Uh, in the AL Central, I did see a tweet from uh, somebody called Bernie Pleskoff, who's a, a pro, former pro scout for the mm-hmm. Astros and Mariners. I think it was John Bonus retweeted him. His tweet was, based upon what I have seen tonight from Danny Salazar, he was the starter last night right, for Cleveland, right. he's not anything close to what he was as a starting pitcher before the shoulder and elbow injuries, throwing 86 and 87 Good instead boy. of mid-90s. Indians brass will have a tough time giving him the ball every fifth day in a pennant race. Well, and that's the thing with the trade of Bauer. I mean, it looks like they made a they acquired some bats. And Puig was in the lineup last night. I don't know if the other the new guy was also in, but you know you can't have enough good pitching. And I I think you know Cleveland will hang in there. And they they wanted to add some pops to the lineup to keep up with the Twins lineup. But as 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 uh, combustible as Trevor Bauer can be. He's still a, a really live arm, and I, I think someone you want to rely on down the stretch. I'm at the point now, uh, Tana, where I'm just trading deadlines come and gone. We're into August, and I just, uh, as fans go, and where this this roster's set, and yeah, go ahead and second guess a lot of things that could still happen with this baseball team. Uh, try to enjoy it. I mean, I, I this is a this is a unique uh, team right now, and a, a unique lineup, and who knows. Uh, the season. Correct, Mike. Correct. And I think, I mean, how much fun. I mean, it's next weekend in particular. Uh, Cleveland Four comes games. to town. I mean, think about, we're just talking about a oh, Viking preseason game here. They're playing New Orleans uh, uh, next Friday night. Oh, the Twins are playing Cleveland. Sorry, uh, Twins and Cleveland have my attention. Any chance they rush Kluber for that series? <laughs> I don't think so, but we'll see. I don't know what his status is at the moment. But I'm just saying that that again. He's pitching a simulated game that, tomorrow. Well, he'll he'll be there eventually, and and we'll see if Corey Kluber can come back and pitch at the level you're expecting him to pitch at. But and I don't think that series is going to determine the outcome of the, this division unless the Twins sweep them, but or vice versa. I guess you can look at it that way. But meaningful baseball, I guess our try. I mean that that place will be hopping next week. Yeah, I mean it'll be it'll be phenomenal to have. Uh, and I think it will be earlier in the week. I mean, not the thing against Kansas City. Uh, but Atlanta, Atlanta they're a good team. first place team coming in here this week. This is what you want. So I mean, when I say enjoy the season, I mean there's no more talk anymore. Like it, love it, hate the poll ads, hate what they did, love what they did. Doesn't matter. It's this is their team. You're, they're not going to bring the tomahawk chop to Target Field. Are they? I hope not. I mean, <laughs> how annoying was that back in the day? That was so bad. I mean, I remember. I, I can close my eyes and, and and my open my ears and hear it from being there in '91 in that World Series <laughs> and watching how annoying that was. Um, 
Max, yeah. by the way, the tomahawk chop is what the Atlanta Braves fans used to. You, were, you, weren't, Florida born, State. you weren't born yet. Yeah. Florida State still do it? They go, oh. Yeah, it's just, it's just sucks. Uh, Kyle from Minneapolis looks like he wants to talk twins. Hi, Kyle. Gentlemen, how's it going? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Good. Say, Rosie, you really just took, took the words right out of my mouth as far as let's enjoy the rest of the season. Twins are in first place. They have a great team. The offense is insane. Right. Let's keep this going. And one of the things that I really wanted to point out is that there's a lot of uproar about us not getting that quote-unquote starting pitcher that is going to take us to the next level. I mean, at the end of the day, we have three pitchers with more than 10 wins. And at this point in the season, when was the last time we had that? Given that a lot of that has to do with our offense, but at the same time, we have another pitcher that I think ran off eight wins in a row and was in the conversation for the Cy Young there at one point. So, again, just reinforcing your point there about it's the, it's the last part of the year. There's no excuse for target field to not be filled throughout the end of the season. Let's get behind well, the Twins and play this meaningful baseball. Hang well, on. and I think – yeah, and I think it will be. And I think most fans' uh, sentiments are great. And, I, look, I, I think it's important. That, uh, apathy is the worst thing. And the fact that – People get upset about something that the manager does or how this guy maybe choked away a game or this or that. Hey, that's done everywhere. Welcome to the big leagues. What are they going to do in New York right now? The Yankee fans are apoplectic thinking that we didn't do anything at the trading deadline. Have you seen these starting pitchers for the Yankees lately? Look at their record. Uh, I think the Yankees are capable of getting to the World Series last time I looked. So um, that's the fun part. And if, if you think that Houston's an unbeatable and unreachable, maybe Let's let's uh, let's have a go and see where we're going to go with this thing. That's all you can do. I mean, it's fun. It beats the hell out of where they were a year ago, or you know, the year before they made the playoffs. But for you know a half, you know, it was a half. Well, not only the game's meaningful, but they're going to be playing in October. Well, it, not official yet, but they're going to be playing in October. They games. should. Yeah. I mean, if nothing, yeah, you don't want them to settle for a wild card, but you want them to win the division and and get into a series. And that's where, as the last caller said, get into a series where you can really see how your pitching staff and how Baldelli and West Johnson works with a staff over the course of uh, three out of five or potentially four out of seven. Connor in Minneapolis. Hi, you're on the fan. Hi, I have a question regarding the Minnesota Wild GM spot. Listening to the Russo segment earlier, just want to compare and contrast that with the Minnesota Minnesota Twins, how Thad Levine coming out of UCLA's School of Business and Management. Mm -hmm. uh, It was really that smooth sailing there. And you look at Major League Baseball, all but one Major League Baseball managers have these graduate degrees in business and don't have experience playing at the professional level. And with the advent of analytics and hockey, do you think that the managing style is going to be a little bit more different? We're going to see more of these guys with graduate degrees in management and less quote-unquote hockey guys? And just kind of what do you think the ideal candidate is for the Minnesota Wild GM spot? Thanks, Connor. Even uh, I don't know Garrison Rosas' background, but he seems to have more of the kind of the analytics Feel yeah. to him and well. his approach with the with the Wolves yeah. organization has done a complete 360 from Tibbs in particular, and I think what uh, they were doing in Leyden. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let you speak to the. Well, you, I was just going to say, I mean, Fenton, Fenton is an extreme example, but um, I think hockey, to a certain extent, I would even say myself included, has been a little bit of slow to go when it comes to analytics. Um, hockey's always been an old school sport, and the good old boys, and it's who you know. Uh, you know, you, you get hired. You get coaching jobs and you get front office jobs based on who you know more so than what you've accomplished. Um, I still think in hockey, a vast majority of GMs are going to be more of an eye test guy over analytics. I think you need a combination of both. Baseball's baseball's just a little bit more simpler, right? It's one hitter against one pitcher, and you can 
you can diagnose exactly can he hit low outside pitches? Can he right? I mean, you, you know where in the strike zone he has the strengths, where he hits the ball to in the field. Hockey's a much more fluid sport, right? It's so analytics doesn't fit as well with hockey as it could with baseball. But that being said, I do think there's stuff you can get out of analytics. And, and one thing Russo mentioned in the story today is basically people within the Minnesota Wild were saying Nino Niederreiter is great from an analytics standpoint. Victor Rask is horrible from an analytics standpoint. Don't make but, the trade, and he wasn't listening to his analytics people on that trade. Well, but the the caller's point, well taken. I mean, we see yeah. more more of uh, people get into the the world of baseball. I think you know Billy Ball with Billy Bean and what he did with with Oakland and how unconventional it was, and that, and you know Theo Epstein and what he did with the Red Sox, you now with the Cubs, and people with business backgrounds are they more prone now to get in getting into sports with a different look at at their teams and. Again, uh, Russo knows better than all of us, but he talked about the, the 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 lack of maybe more analytic people in the wild organization. I don't know how I, that word is overused and overused and overused. Well, they just booted and, their two main guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. saying this is this needs to be a big part of it. Yes, I mean you go to TCO uh, facilities other. I mean I think back to when that long ago, the number of people they have on staff and how they break things down over there is extraordinary. And they look at tape, the way they break down an offensive lineman, and, and it's just yeah. the body of work they have compared to what they used to have. I think that's the way you have to do business now. And I think the Wild, hopefully the yeah. Wild will kill, catch up. But when when Leopold hires his new GM, I don't know who he talked to, Hextall already? Hextall and Shirelli. Are those... now, you know, Chuck Fletcher was not a... He didn't play in the NHL. No. And he was just... Because no. his father was well, a GM, and right. that's where he learned everything through right. him. But Right, right. Uh, but it's it's a... You know, I don't know if Leopold's looking at it that way. Yeah. It's just... Like I said, and I'm not. I've never really gotten into the analytics in hockey. I don't. I don't understand them. Frankly, I've never really made an effort to understand them. Mm-hmm. But see, the problem. The problem with hockey analytics is not saying you can't get use out of them because you can. But my analytics stats are also depending on who I'm playing with on the ice sure. and who I'm playing against on the ice. So it's never going to be like fully 100. percent Whereas baseball, it's a little. It's a little. Easier. And I don't think I think you know, Boudreaux's old school. I mean, he's yeah. From his standpoint, and he's got a mix and match. Like he gets asked, you ask him questions all the time. What about the power play? The Wild need another right-handed shot. I mean, fans talk about it when yeah. they break down a game as much as you can in hockey. They need another right-handed shot in the power play. They really miss Matt Dumba. Really miss Matt Dumba on the power play. And hopefully he's back 100%. But and that's just an eyeball test. You're going, God, I, I get that from a fan's perspective, how much they miss him. But is it more complicated than that? Ryan in Prior Lake, you're on the fan. Hi, Ryan. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Say, Tenet B, I want to echo your sentiment from yesterday. I'm happy with some of the bullpen moves the Twins made, but I was left wanting more um, from my intel that I had that the Mets wanted Bucks for Syndergaard. I knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, but, Rosie, I want to get your take on this. Um, you're probably more plugged in than I am. This, the, are Lewis and Kirloff that untouchable where the Twins wouldn't even think about trading him? I mean, from all accounts, they make it seem like they're bona fide Hall of Famers come up to win us. Well. Three or four world championships. I would take a deep breath on that. Um, that I think there's a. I think I think there's an in between a Hall of Fame, three World Series, and and two players that that have uh, on paper really upside, big upsides to their careers. You know, I think when you start looking at a Buxton and you say, well, he was untouchable. The Syndergaard. Who would imagine that conversation a year ago when Byron Buxton was suffering uh, the the uh, slings and arrows of, of of another slump and injuries and being sent down and you know, that whole thing, and thinking well, a year later we were that high on him. So when I think you look at Royce Lewis and Kirilov, you know, we never say no one's an, an untouchable, but 
Royce Lewis was drafted in that position for a reason. The Twins want to see this through. I think the thing that's frustrating is that you develop a player. Uh, it's like any business. You develop someone, you give them a chance, and then you want to see it come to fruition. I think we've seen that with Polanco. Look at the the, the, the salary-friendly contracts. He's Kepler's under contract for, I mean, talk about a bargain basement kind of. I mean, he's very happy. He's making a lot of money. Like Kepler was one of yeah, those it guys. Just, it just seems like. You know, here's our time to strike when the Irons yeah. were three games ahead, and it's, it's time to strike. I just wish they would have done more well, to address starting pitching. And, and we don't really know for sure if that would have. I mean, if that would have taken it, I think that's that was a little rich for anyone's blood. I think both of them. Again, I, I, all I know is from talking to the scouts about Royce Lewis. I mean, I haven't heard as much. Kirilov had that shoulder injury, I think, and he's bounced back from that, but. Royce Lewis looks like he's in double-A right now. We'll see how he performs the rest of this year. But, I mean, he's on the fast track. And, and so are a bunch of other guys they have. But Lewis is the guy that I'd have a really hard time parting with. I've, I've said that before. I'd have, to, I'd have to gulp real deep before I'd trade that guy because I think that kid's going to be something special. For the third time in four days, Larry Mondello guy. Come on. Ripping Max. Gentlemen, uh, yeah, I got, I got through the call screener this time. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I just had to. Kennedy kind of wanted me to call in because he sure. didn't really want to call you up for this, Rosen. Sure. Um, I've heard you say a lot of preposterous things, but when you compared a missed pass interference call to a train accident, <laughs> I didn't say train. I said, well, you know, it's the, it's the, it's, you know, I know there's, I know, I don't know if they teach us in one known of it's called a kind of, I call a metaphor, is it or or a compare? I didn't compare the two. I just said that. Never mind. You're just trying to get me going. Coming from the college dropout. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the worst part is Tennessee. That's not even the most ridiculous comparison like that he made. Remember, uh-huh. remember back in the playoffs um, against the Yankees uh-huh. when Phil when Phil Cousy missed that that call down the line. <laughs> yeah, what did I say? Rosie Rosie compared that to the Bernard Getz subway shooting. Do you, you remember know, that? I thought it was. I thought it was more Son of Sam like. Oh, okay. I, I, that yeah. was. Pick your, pick your own 80s or 70s reference. You're oh, a beauty. One more thing. One more thing, because i got to go. Uh, oh, no, not that. Beautiful Mississippi River. Yeah. Um, do you think the Twins are going to make a move at the waiver trade deadline? <laughs> go go dunk in the lake, would you? Well, that's where they usually live and die off of the waiver trade, when they get all those cheap yeah. players, right? Okay. It's funny you mention that, because I received an email yesterday that they were watching the Fox Sports North telecast. And they made it seem like Burt Blylevin didn't know that rule changed. Oh, come on. Yeah. Seriously? Which, oh. I don't know how that's possible. Are well, we, it's possible. Are, He's... We, are we surprised? Come on. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend, Larry. Yeah. All right. Yep. Take Thank care. Uh, we have one minute. Quickly. Oh, uh, go, ahead. go. Go for football team. Got one vote in the coaches' uh, top 25 <laughs> poll. Wow. Uh, four teams in the top 25 on the Gopher schedule, and they're all the last four games. Yeah, of the they year. are. Penn State, Penn State, 14, Iowa, 19, Northwestern, 25, and Wisconsin, Number seventeen. Well, and that's the that's the meat of their schedule. Those are, they don't have Michigan, they don't have Michigan State, they don't have Ohio State this year, and that's why uh, beyond the fact that I think the Gophers' offense will be a lot of fun to watch uh, with a massive offensive line with uh, I think some of the best running backs in the in the Big Ten. A couple of them coming back. Yeah, Shannon Brooks and Rodney Smith coming back on top of Ibrahim and you know it's a couple other kids. Yeah, the quarterback situation. You know, with Morgan and and uh, Anikstet, uh, that'll kind of sort itself out. Tyler Johnson, uh, as, as the college guys like to say. Should be playing on Sundays next year. He's she, she's just amazing, and they got this uh, Brevin Span kid, uh, tight end. Keep an eye on that kid. He's a stud. He's six seven, and 
Uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to it. That's again, it's it's. Uh, we'll see how. And the Gopher basketball out. team, Richard Bertino saying on his blog, basically they're going to shoot a lot more threes this year. They well, got some. They got some guys who can shoot some trays. I hope the Timberwolves were listening too. <laughs> uh, thank you. We'll uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. Yep. Have a great weekend. You too, Tim. Thank Max, you. thanks for your help. Congratulations on your uh, back-to-back championships in the uh, the alphabet game today. It feels good. Congratulations. It feels, it feels good to be a yep. winner. You're 2-0. Oh. You're the only one who's ever been undefeated at that game. Thank you for joining. Uh, thanks for listening all week. I will be back Monday. Justin Gard will join me, JGMB, from 2 to 3 o'clock, and then the common man, Dan Cole. He is back, finally, uh, from his Rosen on Tuesday. Dan Barrero, Justin Gard, they are next. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a good day. Of today's show, visit the Common Man channel on the iHeartRadio app or go to.